And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Jana Gardner. I'm Nick Fulton. And I'm Dylan Quare. This week, we are discussing the 1931 film Dracula, directed by Todd Browning and starring Bela Lugosi, David Manners, Helen Chandler, Dwight Fry, and Edward Van Sloan. This film was produced and distributed by Universal Pictures and is notable for being the first sound film adaptation of the Stoker novel. So not to tip our hand too early on about our feelings about this movie, but we're going to take this (laughs) opportunity this week to talk more about Dracula adaptations in general. Um, Not that there just isn't tons to dig into with this uh, original Dracula. What? We're also going to spend some time talking about the 1958 version starring Christopher Lee, uh, the Hammer Horror uh, Dracula, and the 1992 version, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring Gary Oldman, among others. So (laughs) plenty on our plate to discuss today. Um, I'm not going to give a sort of a brief overview of, of what Dracula is about. People know what Dracula is about, right? They're familiar. Um, I'd hope so. So, I mean, you had never seen a Dracula movie or read the book until now, right? No, I hadn't. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and jump in with that. And you still I, had a pretty good oh, idea. Of... I still knew like every beat of what was going to happen. Okay. So yeah. it's not like I knew who all these characters were, um, although I will get into it. The fact that each version, each adaptation tweaks the characters some mm-hmm. and like switches their roles around did not help me follow along very well but like <laughs> i felt like i mostly knew who all these characters were and what they were up to um as i told Te- you technically guys, our uh, our main character harker is three completely different people between the th- these three different movies yep yeah a hundred percent like <laughs> he's like so almost I a just... non-entity in the first one. Oh no he's he's just the plot like <sighs> Yeah, they take his... Uh, well, and we'll talk about the Renfield character who isn't in the Christopher Lee version. And, like, you don't even miss it, right? Like, yeah. No. So, so they, they make some different choices. They they keep mostly the same character names. Although the, the Mina Lucy... Like, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But, like, the Mina and Lucy characters who are sort of the same but sometimes they're sisters or they're sisters-in-law or they're friends or they have different last names or like it's just they just kind of like plug and play these different characters depending on what story they want to tell i like that in the uh francis ford coppola one you find out that mina is short for something i forget what it was but something much yeah Wilhelmina. like a real name yeah or elisabetta yeah yeah elisabetta um (laughs) Man, that movie. Um, that movie. But so I, I did watch all three versions of, of Dracula in the past twenty four hours. It was a real journey that I went on, uh, which was great. Did you re- uh, did you rewatch the Buffy episode from? I believe it's season five, episode one. Uh, it's, it's the season five premiere. No, I did I did not have to. But like every time something happened with Dracula, I would turn to Matt and be like, "That's why in the Buffy episode, this is what Dracula did there. Like this is like how he, you know, I." <laughs> a pretty good, pretty good working knowledge of the Dracula episode of Buffy. 
And as I also mentioned to you guys, I did see in theaters the uh, Van Helsing movie starring Hugh Jackman, where Van Helsing is a, like, globe-trotting, right. sexy action hero. Um, so, you know, I've come at this from a lot of different That's angles. That's not about, much different from the, the Francis Ford Coppola version. <laughs> I, just, I could talk about Anthony Hopkins in that movie all day. I thought he was amazing he's my favorite part of that entire movie i was into every choice that he made starting with the opening narration all the way through to the end oh just good lord what what Uh, year or what 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 time did um the coppola one come out 92 this is yeah but one year one year after silence of the lambs um this what that's what I was thinking is like this came out like right after he won the Oscar for Sounds of the Lambs, November thirteenth, nineteen ninety two. Okay, so it was yeah. Okay, so yeah, so it was still. And so like, it came out uh, almost two years. It's a wild the, run. Yeah, so, Sounds of the Lambs came out February ninety one. Then he won the Oscar a year later, and then this was like a few months after that. Yeah, some nice one two uh, iconic Doctor Punch though from him. Mm-hmm. Lecter and then Van Helsing. One's a little bit better than the other of a performance. I mean, no, I still think I still think Lecter's technically better. Technically <laughs> better. He's he's going for different. I think he was directed exactly. to uh, give a different performance yeah. in each one. There are some wild yeah. performances I would argue. going on in that Coppola. We are going to have to get into just all all the things going on in that Coppola movie. God, that's going to be the bulk. All right. Well. So what what about you, Dylan? What was your Dracula backstory before this week? I'd seen all three of these movies and the two Nosferatu movies, and that's most... Oh, and I read the book in yeah. high school. Or stuff. Um, none of these really follow the book very well. <laughs> they either All of them make at least one drastic change to whatever the original book is. Um, and I definitely have a preference of what my favorite Dracula movie of the three is for sure. So we'll talk about that later. We can do a ranking. <laughs> yeah, we will. I think my uh between my three four uh star review ratings at the end of the the podcast, um, it's gonna be pretty apparent which one I like the most. Fair enough. What about you, Nick? Uh, I'd seen the 31 before. Um, I hadn't seen the other two that we're talking about today. And then uh, I've seen both Nosferatu's and the Dryer. Um, one from, I think it's 32. Oh, that's or, right. I think it's 32 or 33. And the Dryer one, um, it's too bad that that one's not in the book. Uh, or I didn't have time to revisit it. But I, I feel like Coppola is pulling from that a lot in terms of his use of moving shadows. Yes, because that's something that uh, Dreyer does in that one. Um, but I would say that I like the uh, the Nosferatu's in the Dreyer one um, significantly more than than the nineteen thirty one Dracula. Uh, but I, I did have fun with the the latter two, the nineteen fifties and the nineteen ninety one. I agree. So I also and then I I, have... I, I also oh god. Uh, I was going to say, I have not seen the Nosferatus. They're, they're like sort of knockoff Dracula. I mean, not knockoff Draculas, but they were sort of just early adaptations that were Dracula, but not Dracula. Or what was the deal with those? It's Dracula. It's straight up a Dracula okay. adaptation. But they don't <laughs> use just, the name. Okay. It's just they Dracula. don't use yeah, the name exactly. Dracula. Okay. When we, when we get to that, because that's the, the um, yeah. Murnau one is in the book. 
there's a lot of like weird legal history about mm-hmm. like uh, Stoker's wife didn't want them to use it and they were supposed to get rid of all the copies of it and somebody uh, like fortunately decided not to. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I need to bring up, I need to bring up again and we'll bring it up on that pod that somebody grave robbed FW Burnow and they cut off his head. <laughs> we'll just did, bring that up every time. I can't not it bring it up. Uh, I hope. It- I don't know. <laughs> I hope I hope it was like Winona Ryder at the end of the '92 Dracula. <laughs> oh yeah, she, there's there's some head cutting off uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, so that's our history with Dracula. Um, All right, I how guess, quickly can we yeah, do this thirty version? I was gonna say we don't need to spend too much time <laughs> on you know the, the basic like we said the basic plot tracks sort of the general story but obviously the biggest difference with the 31 dracula is it opens with renfield instead of harker and so instead of having harker going to see dracula and be a solicitor or librarian or a hunter or whatever they want to make him in each different version of the story it's always different it's always different um and in this version and this i will say i was familiar enough with what i thought the plot of dracula was that when this one started i was like okay so that's that's harker and then the, so when they call him Renfield in those opening sequences, I was like, oh, I guess I don't know who's who in Dracula. And then I, <laughs> turns out they're just making some choices. But Renfield is a solicitor who's going to see Count Dracula at his castle in Transylvania. And he goes through a little village and they say, don't go, it's dangerous. Um, <laughs> and he takes a spooky carriage ride to Dracula's um, house. This is one of the sort of first times in when we can talk about it where the effects in this movie leave a lot to be desired, even for a 1931 film, as we've talked about. Um, But there is a sort of spooky sequence where Renfield takes the carriage in and then the driver disappears. And then it's like a wild carriage into (laughs) the castle where he then goes to meet Dracula. Um, And then luckily doesn't take too long um, to introduce Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi, who I think is still probably... I mean, that's what people think of when they think of Dracula, right? They think yeah, of Bela Lugosi's probably. whole deal. Um, we'll, we'll compare it to what Christopher Lee is getting up to, um, which is a, you know, a, a very different take, but also for a different time. You know, this is... <laughs> decades had gone by making some different choices. But we just sort of get the introduction to, to Dracula's whole deal. He has a spooky castle... He's a secret vampire. He has three weird, or does he have three wives in this one, or just one wife in this? That one? one's three. Okay. Right. I feel like I, I feel like I remember multiple coffins at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. So it's yes. Yeah, and this, then there's only one in the '58 version, and this, then there's three again in the '92. Right. Version. This is where it's already going to get into a problem because I'm like, wait, is this one with three wives or just the one? Okay. So the traditional. And then in Nosferatu, there is zero wives. Oh. What, what are you doing, Nosferatu? Bring back the wives. <laughs> Nosferatu, um, uh, a famous dude's rock movie. <laughs> it, uh, I think besides the wives part, Nosferatu might be the one that goes closest to the book, though. Yeah. I mean, it would have to At be At least closer. it doesn't take any weird Harker Yeah, uh, it, things. It would, it would have to be closer than what a lot of these... Uh, books do or these these movies do um i do kind i do kind of like in this one though where you sort of see the um like prelude to 
or like the origin story of Renfield where you see mm-hmm. him is just sort of a normal dude and then he becomes you know right the Renfield. guy the guy who eats bugs eats and it, bugs. it makes a little bit it makes a little bit more um sense when later in the movie Renfield like starts to he like tries to be good and he like mm-hmm. tries to help them out and he just is compelled to be right. weird and creepy and everything yeah um I think that that adds a little bit more to his character. Yeah, and that, and I, it takes that was, away a lot from the story, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it <laughs> takes was, so much away from Harker in the first Harker, one. Yeah, like, Harker's and any like emotional like worry about our our main trio ish most right. of the time. Yeah, I mean that was my main assumption was that they felt the need to actually show us what happened to Renfield as opposed to just mm-hmm. introducing us to a you know disturbed guy in an asylum and then filling in the backstory. They wanted to show us how Renfield got to be the way he was, which, yeah, I mean, is mm-hmm. is a fine choice for that character, but it does really throw the rest of the movie off balance, I think. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that we talked about a little bit before going on the air or, or earlier was the pacing in this movie is so just not good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like the way, <laughs> uh, as I was, wa- I mean, as I was watching it, there were literally scenes where I... Like, I thought I had missed something. And then I'd be like, no, they just jump to the next scene. And it's like they rush you through all this introductory stuff. And then the second half of the movie is just like a lot of ponderous conversations in a house. <laughs> and so that was one of my yes. my main issues. <laughs> Although, so I guess, backing up a little bit, this version, the 1931 version, is, yes, an adaptation of the book, but it's more specifically an adaptation of a play that adapted yes. the book, which maybe goes a long way to explain why it feels a little mm-hmm. off compared to the rest, right? Because Bela Lugosi is coming back. He's reprising his role that he played on the stage as Dracula. And we end up with a lot of scenes of just people dramatically talking at each other, which is probably yeah, pretty good yeah. on stage, I imagine. And it, I think it's in the Ebert essay where he says it was supposed to be Lon Chaney in the Dracula role, but he died. So they, they ended up having Lugosi replace him. Yeah. yeah. Who's who's good? I mean, I, I don't really oh, have yeah. any Lunch complaints about... A... I mean, I don't have any complaints about, you know, how it turned out, I suppose. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and complain about Bella Lugosi. Um, <laughs> very iconic. No. <laughs> very good Dracula. Not my, not my complaints about this movie in particular. Yeah, if there's one thing I'm not going to complain about the 30 version it's Bella Lugosi right and you know the other big standout from this both I think for all of us and in history is the some of the cinematography some of the lighting mm-hmm. uh, the, the very famous shot, the, yeah the set the um, sort of state art direction and the sets um, it looks cool like it you know Bell, it does look the, good. when Dracula comes in it gives that famous like light across his eyes that's kind of what you picture when you picture Spooky mm-hmm. Dracula. So it's iconic. Um, All these but, background you know, technical like first... aspects of the movie are so good. Mm-hmm. And then they just must have hired the pittiest amateur to do the visual effects supervising. Yeah. I mean, so you can probably talk a little bit more about this because you were the one who brought it to my attention. But man, they really just don't do anything. Like there's, there's no, no attempt to really do do anything at all it's like here is a shot of some fog and then here's a hard cut to dracula <laughs> standing mm-hmm. <laughs> in the room you know i watched i watched a couple of the later um 
or three of the later Universal ones. So uh, Dracula's Daughter, Son of Dracula, and House of Frankenstein. In mm-hmm. in those, they they get a little bit more creative with visual well, effects that uh, you know seem dated now, but they're charming and of the time. And you would think that like in this one, they they could have. They just right. opted not to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the thing I kept complaining about was a lack of what I just dubbed a, a melee cut. Which is when he would have all his actors just, like, they'd move and they'd be doing their scene. And then they just freeze. And then they would take, like, whatever needed to be changed and, like, mm-hmm. take that out of the room. And then put the new thing in. So, like, Good. in the one of his famous movies, The Haunted Castle, it's kind of like a Dracula where someone goes in and there's, like, a bat. And then, uh, so they'd have everyone freeze. They'd take the bat out. The person that'd come in and play the vampire would come in right where the bat was, and they would they would do this poof of smoke at right when they started filming. So it'd be like, so when they edited it together, it would be like bat 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 poof of smoke. There's the dude, and mm-hmm. from a modern st- audience standpoint, we know exactly how that's done. But at least it's an effect. In this one, like Dracula, like there would be like a little terrible little bat on a string. Like you'd get at like the oh zoo. God, those bats were so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they looked like yeah, little like literally. I had little rubber bats as a kid that I thought were like funny that you could like bounce on a string, and that's what it looked like. They were authentic and, uh, Dracula, nineteen thirty-one. Yeah, uh, exactly. Who knew? They're memorabilia. And instead of like doing like a, a, a an edited cut like Melia would do, it would cut to like Van Helsing and be like, "Huh, Dracula," and then it would cut back, and then just Dracula would be standing there. Yeah, it was horrible. I was so mad. <laughs> it would just do something, anything. Well, similarly, do they do anything interesting in the Dracula with the mirror? Uh, like when Van Helsing has the mirror in the jewelry box or whatever, or do they just hold it up and then they show him hitting it? And they don't even show the mirror in the camera. That's it. <laughs> That's basically it. Um, and I read probably on Wikipedia, I think Bella Lugosi's complaint, because I guess, and this would make sense, that on stage they had like a big old mirror, right? And I'm sure that on stage they could just angle it in such a way where they could have him stand in the mirror angle and it would be very easy to just make it look like he's not in the mirror. And so I think it was one of Bella Lugosi's complaints that in the – um, movie, they were like, yeah, we're just going to do a little tiny mirror. <laughs> and it's, it's, <laughs> it really sort of takes away from uh, the, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. There's just, there's so many more visually interesting ways to show that, which anything, the movies do. Anything. So. Yeah. Even if it's like shoddy yeah. and stupid. Yeah. I know. So it's one, so one thing that I did think was fascinating, um, <laughs> that I did think was interesting. So after, you know, Renfield goes, he meets Dracula, meets the wives. It's not going to turn out well for him. Um, Dracula decides, he heads to London? Yes, heads to London. Um, And they take Mm -hmm. a ship, right? They take a boat. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but when it shows them, like the cuts to the shots in the boat looked really weird to me. Did you guys have that? Did you notice (laughs) that when you were watching it? It's it's sort of reminded me of Battleship Potemkin in a way, only not as like Mm -hmm. aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) Well, it turns out, yeah. at least according to Wikipedia, that that is reused footage from a silent film. Was it Battleship huh. Potemkin? <laughs> it was not Battleship Potemkin. Um, let me see if I can figure out what movie it was. The scenes of crew members on the ship struggling in the violent storm were lifted from a universal silent film called The Stormbreaker from 1925. 
which is why it was a silent film photographed at silent film speed because when it cuts that scene on the boat it would it looked like a you know the way silent films look now mm. and everything's all choppy and weird um and so they actually <laughs> had to project it at 24 frames per second and then cobble it together with new footage so i thought hmm. that was interesting how many people do you think have logged the Stormbreaker on Letterboxd? I mean, uh, I've never heard of it. I'll say 670. Nick? Uh, I will go. I'll take the under. Uh, you, your under is correct. There's zero. Zero? <laughs> what? <laughs> Does it I'm gonna exist? I'm going to be the first. I'm going to give it a five. I know. <laughs> I'm going to give it a five-star review. I feel like I, yeah. I'm surprised that somebody hasn't like a, like a Labuza or that type of person you'd think would have come across right. it somehow. Or the... F- I mean, yeah. the fact that it's mentioned on the Wikipedia page for this movie, I figured would be enough to bring it to somebody's attention. I mean, it's a universal huh. project. Like, if you were looking through the universal catalog, you could find it. Maybe, I mean, maybe um, it's lost. Well, maybe it's lost. I don't know. Usually lost films are mentioned that they're lost on the... Yeah. Is it Stormbreaker two words? The Stormbreaker, yeah. 1925. Mm-hmm. It appears it's rated on two on IMDb. lists. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's there's two lists. One is list of Universal Pictures films has over three thousand films on it. This is a this is a great podcast digression. The other is <laughs> a list called Universal Dracula Todd Browning 1931, and it I don't know. It just has a oh God. These old movie posters are phenomenal. Sorry, I'm now just like visually distracted looking at this amazing. Letterbox list of these old posters. Um, yeah, I think I like the Frankenstein poster. The I don't know the Bride of Frankenstein one's good too. The Dracula one's iconic, but I like the Frankenstein posters. Anyway, it's on two lists, but nobody's logged it, so we really uncovered a gem here. Mm-hmm. Somebody logged it. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> There's one. Oh my god! Just it's my, a five star. History being made. Ass. <laughs> I said I'd log this. I'm not a liar, but no, I did not see this. Oh god, <laughs> man, it's it's Letterbox distribution ratings, man. That one five star, it's gonna it's gonna be it to the top. It's gonna be this, then uh, Parasite, and then <laughs> Godfather, and then oh Harakiri. I am sorry that this is so wildly off topic, and you can cut this out what Never. was that weird little puppy thing you logged nick that little puppy jete, la jete. oh my god i was like this is the ultimate nick movie i was like what is this uh la poupée it's a sh- it's a short it's a short film called la poupée it is with a stuffed animal dog and it's in the style of la jete uh not only have i seen it uh, i own it <laughs> On DVD, <laughs> Nelly found it somehow. I'd never even heard of it. I don't know how she found it. It's, Bought it and gave it to me, and it is like—is it? Incredible. It's a real thing. I mean, it's a real thing. Obviously, you watched it, but like, where did it come from? It's like a real movie yeah. someone produced. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, someone okay. made it. I don't, the, I don't the know. The poster was extremely cute. So it's good. Um, I know. Ten out of ten. That's poster. what got my attention. Was the adorable it's quite little Lapupe. Oh man! All right. <laughs> yeah. Timothy Greenberg's hilariously deadpan 2003 short video recasts Chris Marker's experimental time travel narrative Lajete with a stuffed dog from the Chicago Reader. Hey, you've Dylan, you've seen Lajete, right? Yeah. Okay. I thought so. It was good. I, it was one of the very Lajete was one of the 
very first things I watched when I got either like Filmstruck or Criterion Channel, wherever it first became streaming available. I was mm-hmm. like, I can watch this now. Um, <laughs> very proud of myself. I like that Nick gave it five stars. <laughs> I mean, what, what's not to like? Yeah. <laughs> Respect. Uh, Fair enough. I... I I'm also prone, well, maybe not, I shouldn't drag Nick into this. I am definitely prone to giving something five stars if I'm just like, that was fun. I had a good time. Five <laughs> stars. No complaints. Like, yep. I'm not I'm not precious. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty fast at losing yeah. my five stars. There are some people, there are some people who, like, don't want to give five stars to anything. Like, since we just brought them up, Labuza will we'll give, like, just the most glowing reviews to things and then it'll be like three and a half stars yeah. and it's like come on man like you don't have to pay for these stars <laughs> right, they're not actually rationed it's not like if you use this one here you can't use yeah. it tomorrow <laughs> yeah i've definitely come around on that i used to be like mm, oh five stars i mean has to be just like the absolute i think it's the greatest film ever made but if i'm just like that was neat sometimes i'm in the mood i'll give it five stars mm. <laughs> Yeah, All right, should we regroup? Come back to this uh, Dracula movie, which I will say, um, I watched on Thursday night after a very long work day, and Matt was a really good sport, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, let's watch the Dracula movie." And I'd say about two thirds of the way through, he picked up the Nintendo Switch and was like, "Yeah, I can't. This is boring." <laughs> and just like, <laughs> peaced out. And I was like, "Yeah, that's fine. I don't blame you." <laughs> like, I like out of all the movies we've watched, he pieces out on the seventy minute. Well, it. Maybe not no, even seventy. I was gonna say he was, four, he was, was forty. Say, minutes into it. Was, that's what I told him. I'm like, I think there's like twenty minutes left. He's like, whatever. I was like, all right. <laughs> this thing is, this po- movie. I wrote down at one point that it reminded me of the pacing of Decalogue Eight, where it just feels like it needs to be twice as long. But at the same time, I could just cut so much of this bullshit well, out of this movie. So what's and so mm. this one is like 75 minutes long. The Christopher Lee one is like 85 minutes long, I think. And then of, I, I was worried the Coppola one was going to be three hours. So when I saw that it was just like a little over two hours, I was like, okay. And But I still was like, I don't know. The, the Coppola one is so much longer. I think that one's actually paced pretty well. Um, not, it's not perfect or anything, but mm. I don't know. It's kind of, the, the second it's and paced third better than the 31 version. I mean, how literally how could it not be? Um, but I was, you know, <laughs> well, I was at least more invested. There's, there's a really interesting, like, experiment that was accidentally made, um, or, or like, uh, serendipitously made, uh, where what they used to do was they would make, instead of, like, just making a movie and then dubbing it into another language, they would actually make them simultaneously. I didn't, I didn't know this until, um, coming across this, uh, specific example. So when they were making Dracula, they would shoot those scenes during the day they they use the same set the same scripts they said they even use like the same like marks where like your character is going to walk and then stop here and they would use the same ones uh so they made the spanish version just like the same day as they were making the english version in the spanish version using the same script and all that jazz is about a half hour longer (laughs) um the special effects are slightly better there's a lot more, I think, um, sexual, like actual sexual tension between the, especially the uh, the Lucy or no, the Mina. What, Mina. What's the Mina main? is the Mina's main one in this one. Mina, Mina. Yes. yeah. Like the sexual tension between both her and Harker and her and Dracula, I think, is a lot more palpable. Um, I mean, that's the point. And just 
So the yeah. fact that it's so just dry it, in this 30 version is just like, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. But it's interesting how they they took using the same bones and everything. They were they just let it breathe. Like every scene has a little bit more time to breathe, and eventually it makes it a half hour longer. But it just feels more like it feels like a real movie. This one seems so rushed. It feels like you took a regular movie and then you cut out all the interstitial stuff. Uh, like every time there wasn't a, a a bit of action or or like people talking, they're just like, all right, lap, lap the end of that scene <laughs> off. We got to get to the next one as fast as possible. And I just don't like that. It's too. It's it's really it choppy. Rushed. It's really really choppy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it just, I, I think to Dylan's point, it just leaves you feeling no connection to any of these characters whatsoever. Um, Espe- them not uh, making Reinfeld the guy that goes to Dracula first is yeah. also part of that. Though. So this is right, very, very close to when the original Frankenstein was made, right? That's 33. Yeah. So I think that was the very first thing Nick brought up when you yeah. had to leave, was mm-hmm. just like, how is Frankenstein so. so- much Maybe not not like incredible, but like really solid film. Yeah, looks. And then this good. is, yeah. bad. It's not bad. It's just nothing. Like, I, I got nothing to say for this movie. Right. Yeah, I know. It's not like we're not really talking about it super much. Um. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not even that that this movie's too short. It's that the it it feels rushed because Frankenstein's about yeah. the same length. Yeah, and but you never feel like you're like getting pushed from one scene right. to the next like you have moments where he you know spends time like looking at flowers yeah. or whatever that this movie really needed a moment like that the best yeah. moment in this movie was when harker is like standing at not harker fuck this movie reinfeld is in the boat and he's standing at the bottom of the mm-hmm. staircase and he's having his like uh, whole yeah. freak out moment it's like okay this that is a moment where i'm cool. like this is a moment I'm getting into. And it's just like, oh, and then like they cut to the opera and it's like, right. I don't know any of these people. And these are the, supposed to be the main characters. Yeah. I, I think that's that's absolutely the like key moment of this film. I think that's exactly right, which is that really fantastic shot. And you're finally like, oh, this is something interesting. This is spooky. And then it just completely jump cuts to the opera and our main characters are like, what? Like, <laughs> I was finally interested in what was happening. And now, okay, fine. We're just gonna move on. Um, I have, I have written in my notes. Renfield now has Crispin oh. Glover. Oh my Such god! Crisp, I brought that up too. I, I mentioned that too, and I wasn't sure That's if it was so his true. hair. Something about when he was sort it's of shot hair. from the profile, especially. I was like, oh, this is this is just a mm. like time traveling Crispin Glover <laughs> performance. Absolutely. Um, but also like the Frankenstein movie. Going back to that, they also just chop that book up like nobody's business, right? Just like they did with Dracula, and rename characters and put certain yeah, characters, certain names in certain parts, and it's mm-hmm. like that's not how this works. But at least in the context of the movie, it still makes a narrative sense, right? And in this one, it's just like, okay, Reinfeld's there, and now he's crazy, and then we don't really see him except for like these weird exposition parts towards the end. And it's like, and then there's Harker. We don't care about Harker, Wait. and then Mina. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I'm just realizing something. I promise I watched this movie. So in the 31 Dracula, <laughs> there's Mina Seward and Lucy Weston. So yeah. Mina Seward is mm-hmm. Dr. Seward's sister in this one? 
Yes. Okay. That, I believe that's how it goes. That I... Oh, my God. By the time we got to the third Dracula and Matt kept, like, the end... I thought Maybe it was it's daughter. daughter? No, oh, it is it? daughter. It oh, is daughter. you're right, because Seward right. is like 40 Seward, in that movie. Seward, we don't get, um, we don't get kind of uh, fun energy Richard E. Grant Seward until uh, the I third one. was, that was my favorite part of the movie. He's so good. Richard E. Grant. Well, I, and Carrie Ullis. Well, so here's what's funny is that at the end of the, um, at the end of the Bram Stoker's Dracula, spoiler alert for that movie, um, when the Texan guy dies, Matt's like, oh, that's sad that her fiancé died. And I'm like, no, he's not. He wasn't her fiancé. I was like, <laughs> okay, the those Carrie three Elwes... people all looked exactly the same. I was the like, same. the Carrie Elwes character was. And Matt's like, no, no, that was her brother. And I'm like, no, that wasn't her brother. In this one, that was her fiancé. And the three guys, and they were all competing, and she picked the one, and he's like, I guess. And like, <laughs> part of that is it's just these sort of three interchangeable guys. And I, I love, speaking of... And they have... Yeah. The same facial hair, Speaking of, the same clothes. D- Dylan, that, that meme you posted that was like, what movie thinks makes you think about a bunch of guys being bros? My new answer is Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> and those, is Carrie Ula's Richard Grant and who played the, Cowboy Dude? The Rocketeer. I can't remember that actor's name, but he's the oh, guy who played the right. Rocketeer. Oh, that's right. I knew I recognized him. But the, um, those guys and Anthony Hopkins, and I guess you can throw in Keanu eventually. Th- those are my yeah, new but it, it's mainly like those movie. three. I know they're yeah, fun. they're just they're just going after Dracula together. Yeah, like, they're just fuck the haters, you know. And exactly, they didn't let a woman come between them. They all you know dealt with exactly. Lucy's situation in their own way. God, that movie was good. Um, but <laughs> to our to our point, each one of these movies, like. It's very easy to lose track of, wait, in which movie is she someone's sister or are they sisters or is someone her dad? It's impossible. Yeah. So in the 50s one, it was sister. Right. And Lucy is the main character. And then Mina is the sister-in-law who's married. Right. That's. God. Sure. Sure. At this point. Sure. I mean, because the main. Well, I think the main takeaway is. Yeah. And that's the Homewoods. And then they do Homewood again. Okay. Which that those mm-hmm. are characters in the book, right? Dylan, can you vouch for Homewood being so. in the book? Um, I tried to do some some digging on that, but I guess really what the main point is is that in each version, poor Lucy um, <laughs> suffers quite a bit, um, no matter which yeah. version of the movie you're watching. One shot that was interesting um, that I'm now going to. Yeah, okay, I'm totally right. Speaking of weird cuts, um, the 1931 after uh, Dracula attacks Lucy has like this cut to her in on the like an operating table, right? Like that's in the third oh, yeah. run where and they have it's mm-hmm. like they have the whole like uh, the operating theater kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we did a bunch of transfusions. Didn't work out. Oh, too bad she did. I had no idea that blood transfusions were clearly such a huge plot point in the Dracula mythology because each one of these yeah, movies no. has like an extended scene of here's how an old timey blood transfusion worked. Um, can we do a medical corner real fast, Nick? Oh yeah, this is way out of my element, but uh, blood types. How did they do? I assume since they had transfusions, like. <laughs> Not to put you on they the start, spot or anything. They start, so, like, putting the I'm blood not... into someone, and then they just start going, oh. <laughs> right? Like, oh, I was like, I was led to believe yeah. that Let's this try the next person. was a bad idea. So it's either one of uh, a couple things, but I was reminded of a, a funny scene from a movie um, that I'll get to in a second. But it's either they, they knew about how transfusions work and how ABO 
compatibility and compatibility worked back then and they happened to find people who were um, compatible. Uh, or in each case, they guessed and got right because half the time it's just like because Homewood's I, here roll up your sleeve it's like they don't know yeah in in the coppola one don't they even say like oh we've got this new blood transfusion thing don't they call it like like they they say it's a novel right. type uh, and I device think that they they're using even so ign- yeah i was watching it and i'm like hopefully hopefully she's <sighs> ab positive or he's and I o negative think, and- i think i think in the coppola one there's even like a acknowledgement of like something might go wrong. She may reject this or something like that. There's like a one sentence acknowledgement of like, this is a new procedure and we're taking a risk here or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess once you get to that point, it's this or sure death. Right. So you might as well yeah. roll the yeah. dice yeah. anyway. I, I, but that, so that reminded me of in um, Gone Girl when they're talking to Ben Affleck and they're like, oh, you, you don't, don't know, know this, you don't know type? that. You, you, you don't know your life's blood type? And then uh, later, Patrick Fugit's like, should I know, like, my, wife's should I know my wife's blood type? <laughs> I don't know, I don't my, know own my own blood type. type. I don't know mine either. Yeah. I'm fucked if I start right? ha- experiencing heavy blood loss. They, yeah, they can yeah. test for that pretty quickly. Like, I... Help. Yeah. I, but yeah, it's one of those things where if it's like there's an emergency, I don't... If someone was like, you know, for Matt, like, what's it? I don't know. I, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> Probably should write that down or something. Um, yeah, so, all right. What else do we want to say about this... Uh, 31 Dracula. What did we skip? We did skip over. We, uh, well, we skipped over a couple of famous lines that are repeated sure, in too. each of them. Uh, one is, I never drink. Why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Very quickly on that, because I'll forget if I don't mention it now. In the, speaking of blood transfusions, in the Coppola one, um, after they do the blood, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? After they do the blood transfusion and he's all like woozy from having a bunch of blood mm-hmm. taken. Anthony Hopkins says to him, like, you need to get some liquids tea coffee or ideally wine and i'm like i don't think that's ideally what you would drink if you just gave a bunch of blood and you're trying to rehydrate yourself he's he's got very little blood and then you just start <laughs> adding white to it there. he's like dead drunk just like knock him out well they, yeah they they cut the end of that scene when he's like one glass and you'll right, be right exactly you'll just yeah pass out um but yeah no that yeah the, i never drink wine um is a very famous one. What were there's like two there's like two or three others that uh, yeah. stood out. So, yeah. So uh, listen listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make is actually number eighty three on AFI's really? list of best quotes. Okay, it's a very good quote. Yeah. yeah. A co- and Dracula Dracula is number thirty three on their villain. Okay, list. is it this Dracula or is it is that a blanket recognition of all uh, the? It's the. It's okay. this Dracula, I mean, the Lugosi Dracula. My, my complaints are not with Lugosi. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Just the way the story handles him, I wouldn't put so, this Dracula one... on the list. He's not, I don't think he's great, though. He's, he's like, historically notable because he has been historically notable and copied, but it's not, like, a banger performance no. or anything. Right. You know, if, if it hadn't been mimicked so many times. Yeah. I'd still prefer it to old, but no. You have to prefer to old Oldman. Yeah, well, <laughs> I have a complicated relationship. Gary, with Gary Oldman, Oldman is one of those actors that just goes for a hundred and fifteen percent every damn time, and it's like if it works, it's gonna really work. And then there's sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work, Would... like for me in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I'm like, 
I cannot fucking handle this dude. Would, would you sentence. would you like to hear the least surprising thing I've ever read on a Wikipedia page, which was about the making of Bram Stoker's Dracula, and there was a line about how Winona Ryder did not particularly enjoy working with Gary Oldman <laughs> in making this oh, movie. Oh, you think so? And they sure. did not get along particularly well. <laughs> like, shocking. <laughs> Poor Winona. <laughs> Jesus. Imagine what... Imagine what working with Gary Oldman was like in that movie. And I guess she has quotes now where she's like, well, I was really young and he was he was going through a divorce at the time. So I think he was just having a tough time. I really respect him. And I'm like, oh, she's being very polite now that he must have been a monster. Like, I just uh, the stuff yeah, they yeah. put the Winona Ryder character through god. sexually. Oh, my God. That is horrible. He was probably he was married to Leslie Manville until 90. Then Wait, married what? Uma Thurman that. Yeah. So he. Leslie Manville married from 87 yeah. to 90, divorced in 90, married Uma Thurman in 90, divorced okay, in 92. Okay, so he must have been, this would have been in his tumultuous Uma Thurman Divorcing years. Divorcing Uma Thurman. Oh I, forgot, yeah. I forgot about both of those marriages for him. Yeah. Gary Oldman. Wow. Um, I also, I will mm-hmm. say, I forgot. Um, yeah. I, I, the image of Gary Oldman as like Dracula Dracula is like burned into my brain with like the crazy hair and the makeup and everything but I had forgotten mm-hmm. the other like famous image of Gary Oldman in that movie with like the little purple glasses and like the big top hat until that version showed up and I was like oh yeah oh <laughs> my god like what an iconic sort of 90s look those are, <laughs> those cool, are cool glasses those are cool glasses <laughs> yeah God, um, <laughs> that movie. Okay, let's let's finish up talking about 1931. Um, I don't know. They spend a lot of time in the house. Oh, I will say something that sets apart this one. Um, a lot of talk of Wolf Spain being the like plant mm-hmm. that is used to keep Dracula away, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the garlic or garlic flowers that are more traditional and come up later. Um, a lot of um, I'm trying to so like, yeah there's the same thing with the nurse and you gotta keep her safe and close the windows and keep the wolf's bane um a lot of crucifixes getting thrown around um i don't know i, I don't have too much more to say is there anything else you guys wanted to mention about 1931 dracula <laughs> you're like i'm done nope. i can't um i will say uh, something that's similar you know, so- in this one and the 58 one is sort of the the cloak closing beat or closing ish beat of finally killing Dracula and then like it restoring to normal. Um, Mina or Lucy is the case maybe and sort of undoing the spell. Um, so I have a question for you guys both about this Dracula and the other Dracula. There's a lot of sequels, right? They made a bunch more of these. They made eight sequels to the six mm-hmm. of them, including Christopher Lee. How? So- and I think all of them included Peter Cushing. Okay. So, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Dracula dies at the end of all these movies. <laughs> Every single one ends with Dracula getting staked or gruesomely having his head chopped off, as the case may be. Um, what is there an explanation? How, how did they just keep on making Dracula movies after? Um, are, we, are we doing prequels? What, what are we? Are we res- resurrecting him? I think it's more resurrected than so, anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, my favorite example of this is in the universal one called house of frankenstein that has not just frankenstein's monster but also the wolfman and the first person like the first act of the movie is about dracula they find dracula's body within his coffin it still has the stake inside it and if you pull the stake out he will (laughs) come back to life so it's a skeleton 
with a big piece of wood in his chest. They just pull it out, and five seconds later, it's a dude. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> okay. All you had to do was drag this thing into right. the sunlight and or open the door. smash those bones. As opposed to... Yeah, as opposed to hoping that this piece of wood is never going to fall out of... I mean, there's no meat holding it in there anymore. It's just like loosely situated in between so a couple to, bones. So to bring this back to what I promise will be a brief Buffy tangent, one just makes me think of Buffy having to destroy the master's bones. You got to smash the bones if you want to stop the mm. vampire from being resurrected. The but then also, so um, for people who haven't watched Buffy, there's we mentioned at the beginning, there's this like funny we... one-off episode where they have Dracula show up. And it's kind of funny because like in their, you know, in their world, even Buffy's like, Dracula's not real, right? And then like Dracula shows up and he's, He's, has more powers. He can actually turn into like a bat and a wolf, which most vampires can't do. And he can turn into fog. And so the sort of thing they do in that one to avoid a Dracula death is when Buffy like stakes vampires, they turn to dust. And that Dracula can like sort of be staked and then evaporate. But then he can kind of just reform <laughs> and just sort of come back. So mm-hmm. I, it's, it's easy enough to give your Dracula ways to be resurrected. But... I just thought it was funny to watch him get killed over and over in these movies and know that they just kept on making Dracula movies. For me, as a Godzilla fan, like, they kill Godzilla so many times. And it's just like, oh, it's Godzilla. And it's like, there's no... You're like, he's back. no questioning it. No one cares. Like, especially after the first one where, like, he is turned to literal ash and bone. And then... Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. And then in Godzilla Raids again, the sequel to that, it's just like, oh, it's Godzilla. Ah. Fair enough. It's, it's never questioned. So it's just like, okay, why not? Uh, we want to keep making more of these, and I want to keep watching them, so. Right. I, I, I don't that, care. That's the real answer, is like, as long as yeah. people want to keep paying to see, they'll, they'll buy into almost everything. Um, all right, so let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about the 1958 Dracula, which, by the way, has a just the coolest posters. Speaking of really cool posters, and like the, I was looking at all the posters and taglines. It's awesome posters. I love, I love the one poster that's on the Wikipedia page where it describes Dracula as the terrifying lover who died yet lived, um, and then also on all the posters, <laughs> on all the posters, it says, "Don't dare see it alone," um, which you know, just just effective marketing. Um, Chris really is so good. He's doing a very oh my god, he's so he's good. He's doing a very different thing though, right? Then he he's not like he's much more restrained as, as Dracula. He's not sort of the like Bella Lugosi like very sort of dramatic. He's he's much more restrained. Um, he's so tall, which makes him until so until he goes full vampire. Oh well, sure, yeah. When he like but, really like, goes crazy, I love the first part where um. The one bride goes up to Harker and bites him, mm-hmm. and it, like, flash cuts to him in the window and his, like, blood's coming out of his mouth. And he just, like, runs, like Usain Bolt, jumps over a table and, like, throws his cape. And it's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. It's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. No, I... This this one is... And I don't know if it's just because it's more modern or, or what... Um, but man, this one's a trip. I, I thought it was really fun. Um, Peter Cushing is so so excellent in this movie. The best casting. And I so I didn't know, mm-hmm. although it makes sense, um, that like Christopher Lee as Dracula is not in a ton of the movie, right? Like it's not you're not following Dracula around. No. Um, and Peter Cushing, man, just is is so good and is such an effective um, 
sort of character and and protagonist by the time he shows up in this. Um, and I I had never seen this. I knew like I knew one of the reasons Peter Cushing was cast in Star Wars was that he had been in these like older horror movies, and so was famous from that. But I had no familiarity with him outside of Star Wars. So that was fun for me. Mm-hmm. The the interesting thing is there's a really it's not like an incredible adaption, but compared to most Sherlock Holmes adaptions, there's a really good Hound of Baskerville adaption oh, sure. where Cushing is um, Sherlock and Christopher Lee is uh, Miss the Baskerville. Oh, cool! I'd watch yeah. that. Yeah, I would watch yeah, that. Yeah, it's really good. So one of the main differences in this version is that we actually start with Jonathan Harker. Uh, rolling up to go see Dracula, mm-hmm. not with Renfield. And the the fun take in this one is he shows up and it's like, oh, I'm I'm the new librarian for your castle. Um, but it is revealed very quickly that he is actually a vampire hunter, um, which is cool, which and I did not expect and I thought was neat. This helps the story just go from like, why the fuck is this person in this crazy house? Right. And the second he sees possessed Dracula women, he doesn't just run for his... Heckin' life. Right. And in this one, it's like, oh, no, he knows exactly what's going on. Like, and he, that's, that's his point is to be here because of Right. That. Yeah, it makes so much more sense. It just makes the narrative hold together a lot better if you're like, oh, he knows what's going on. Like, he's he's confronting this evil, yeah. you know? So I thought that was a really smart take. One thing that's different about this one um, that's not really consistent throughout the movies is that... In this one, it seems like being bitten by a vampire is more like a mm-hmm. zombie type conversion mm-hmm. because he gets he gets bit and then he's aware that like he needs to try to kill Dracula ASAP because very soon he will become right. a vampire or do, mm-hmm. like doomed in some way. Whereas in the others, I, I I think they say this in the thirty one version, but certainly in the Coppola version, it's what I think is more. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the way Buffy did it too, where like you can get bit by a vampire. You will turn into a vampire unless you also drink their blood. But this one doesn't seem right. to be that. Yeah, way. I noticed that too. The sort of in and not not inconsistency, like it's a bad thing, but just the different the inconsistency of how do you actually make a vampire? And right, and dip, you know, of, and yeah. every vampire mythology I think does that differently. Although I do think the most common mm-hmm. is you, they they suck from you. You start the whole sucking thing, as Buffy uh, would say. But yeah, it's sort of the back and forth. Um, exchange which yeah is definitely key in the in the coppola one for sure um yeah one other vampire thing that buffy uses a lot um but it doesn't come up in any of these and i'm curious as to where it originated um and then obviously like let mm-hmm. the right one in is is sort of named after this but the thing where a vampire has to be invited we, into the house like they just don't we got th- so hung up on all, that last night um where like at one point matt's like wait so he just goes in and out nobody's inviting him in and i was like I, I don't know if Buffy invented that, but like that's that's like one of the most important things about vampires in Buffy is that they have to be invited in. So it's like a, it's mm-hmm. an easy way to like be safe, right? That's why the, the whole town's just not people aren't getting murdered in their beds yeah. by vampires every night. Vampires can't come into your house or theoretically your school um, unless they've been invited. Um, <laughs> that that one's a little inconsistent, um, but um, yeah, this. Although, okay, so clarification point on that: there are a couple in definitely the the Bram Stoker, definitely the Coppola one, and maybe also in the first one, there are some dramatic, like a dramatic sequence where Dracula 
does the inviting like there's a when when Keanu first shows up and he's like he's basically like you may come yeah. in or enter or something and then basically like a slow-mo shot of him stepping across the threshold and I was like well is this invitation important but I I wasn't quite sure what they were doing with that yeah I had the same reaction it doesn't really I don't think it really no. even amounts to anything like there's not there, other there's it seemed like it was a prelude right, it to does, something. There's not really is. a payoff there, but it does. It did stand out just because I'm so used to that concept of like vampires and and invitations and and what have you. Um, but yeah, Dracula mm-hmm. just kind of comes and goes from. Although he's largely also luring them out and about too. So in this second one, Christopher mm-hmm. Lee's character does he he doesn't do transformations in this one. We don't see him. Do we see him flying around as a bat or turning into a wolf? Or do they leave that out? In, I don't think so. I don't think they do, right? Because um, yeah. that's another thing that I was less familiar with, the Dracula myth, that he's also a wolf man. <laughs> like, he, mm. he just fully can also be a wolf sometimes. Oh, you you know, there's there's a scene where Van Helsing in, in this one says that the turning into a bat, turning into a werewolf. Okay, that's thing what I thought. Fallacy. That they're like, oh yeah, yeah, where they they because I and I like that conceit in sort of different stories where it's like, oh, I know you think that this is how it works, but that part's made up <laughs> when they just don't want to incorporate that part of the story. Um, yeah, yeah, which probably is for the best in this one. Yeah. And what I kind of like about the 58 version is Harker dies, mm-hmm. like, pretty, pretty soon after. So, like, when he goes to try to kill Dracula, um, he he kills Dracula's wife, and then Dracula sort of, like, appears and closes the, mm-hmm. like, the, the crypt. Um, and then it's like, oh, Harker's dead. Um, then, instead of becoming so much of a, like, a Mina, Harker, and Helsing versus Dracula, mm-hmm. there's still... Lucy in this one and Arthur um but it's more of just straight up Helsing mm-hmm. v Dracula. Right. Yeah. And it kind of makes this story a little bit more straightforward than it would be. Right. I yeah, I I like that. I I like the streamlining that they basically just take Harker out and then we just basically are, now Van Helsing's here and he's going to, you know, fight this fight and and take down Dracula. Um, yeah. And it, it really... And I think that's what helps with the pacing so much is because it's virtually... Oh, the it's same, so It's much virtually better. the same length as the first movie, but they just streamline it in such a way that the story actually flows and you're not kind of jumping all over the place. Mm. I, I think this one has the best Van Helsing mm-hmm. character and yeah. performance. Yes, it's by far. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not even close. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll still stand up for Anthony Hopkins, but no. I mean, this is this is really, really good. Um, and, and not, like, in a yeah. campy way. Just, like, a straight-up good uh, horror movie There's still some very good camp fun in this movie. There is. And this is probably the scariest, I think, of all the three as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least the one that got me the most. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't I didn't the, find any of them. No, I just didn't find any of them scary. Um, the, yeah, the third, I guess. The third one's just <laughs> gross. Like, it just has a lot of gross stuff in it. And it's yeah. not the same thing. Um, but I do think this one is the... To, to the extent that any of them kind of had scary moments, this one probably has the best of those, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the final sequence in this one. It happens pretty quickly. Um, but they also have, you know, a sort of a race 
against the sunlight, which is, you know, always a good thing to throw into a vampire story. Um, I, I, mm. I rolled my eyes a little at the when he makes the cross with the candlesticks. And I'm like, so can you just go like this? Yeah. Like, at what point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, walk I, around at what point <laughs> does your cross have to be an actual Just get a crucifix. Like, right, exactly. Um, but it, it works. Um, I, I thought that final confrontation was good. Um, although, yeah, that the Christopher Lee uh, Dracula turning to dust sequence that was pretty like creepy. Oh, it's that, awesome. that was pretty creepy. I was just like, oh god, oh god, like he's just still turning to dust. Um, it's it's it reminded me a lot of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's just like, oh yeah. my oh, god, he's really going really for it. Watching that whole face just kind of cave in. Um, one thing that's interesting too about the the vampire mythos and all these is they really lean on like so again to bring up Buffy yet again. Like in, in Buffy, you can just sort of like stake a vampire like and it's one thing to be like well sure buffy can she has superpowers but lots of people kind of just stab the vampires with like pencils and they die um but like the to contrast that with this one where apparently in order to stake and kill the vampire you have to have like a huge thing you got to have a sledgehammer and you're just like wailing yeah trying to uh stake which makes brutal it's intense brutal and instead of turning into dust, exactly. they like whale. It's intense. Or, it's, this the scene in the crypt was a scary scene to me when he's like killing the wife. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh my god, this is brutal. Yeah. And then he turns around and Dracula's not there, and I was like, ah. Right. He pops up and you close it on him. Is That's the, probably the most effective scene in all three movies for me. That was really creepy. Is it in? I apologize for constantly having to be like, which movie was it? Um, but is it in this? Well, they. <laughs> Is it in oh. this one where I you know it's Harker kills the girlfriend or the wife or whatever, and like she gets really old, like that's what happens to her. Like when after she gets staked, she kind of withers. Mm-hmm. And I guess so. I guess the difference is she just sort of would have been like a hundred, and she like you know withers into this old person. Whereas when Dracula gets killed, he was like a thousand, so he turns to ash basically. <laughs> he just decomposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Church. Yeah, pretty much. Um. Yeah, yeah that, I think that, that makes tracks. sense. Um, yeah, lots of... The logical sense of this movie outweighs so much of what the 90s and the 30s version God. does. Yeah, I, I did... So another recurring theme in all of these, um, and I keep bringing this stuff up because I'm just so fascinated with the different vampire mythos, but one of the recurring themes in these two is that, like, Dracula can only rest in his native soil, right? Yes. So there's a lot of shipping around, <laughs> like, huge boxes of, like, Transylvanian soil or dirt dirt um, this comes up to the best effect in the 1927 nosferatu oh yeah oh do, do you i mean i you're not gonna spoil nosferatu for me it's okay oh. no i wasn't like questioning <laughs> no like, no i was just curious it. i was like, but it's just like the most famous part is like when they're in the boat mm-hmm. and like suddenly they're like looking at all the coffins because it's like the plague mm-hmm. and the what the dracula's coffin like leaps open because he's, he's in his soil he like just goes. Oh, he like oh, lifts up sure. like a plague. Oh, sure, that's what the, I, I mean. I've seen that shot before. Yeah. Um. Oh, speaking of vampire adaptations that we're not talking about today, um, what we do in the shadows, we've all seen. Yes, yeah. the movie. Um, mm. I, I really like the one, oh, yeah. the the one vampire in that that's like the Nosferatu style. <laughs> Vampire, Peter. yeah. Peter. <laughs> exactly. Just, and Taiko Atini's trying to feed him breakfast. And he's like, <laughs> that's just what that made me think of when I think about Nosferatu like coming up like a board. I think of that. Yeah. <laughs> that vampire mm-hmm. and what we do with the shadows. 
Oh, I need to watch that again. And then uh, the uh, uh, what's that one guy's name? The actor from the one that has all the wives. When like Taika Waititi also opens like his door and it's just like oh Jimmy Clement. Yeah, mm-hmm. there it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's just he's having like a big massive Dracula wife orgy. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Speaking of dracula wife orgies uh we can start talking about yeah. dracula yeah. here in a second it's... I... <laughs> well, who would ever have thought of the transition of talking about dracula oh wife orgies would be pretty Those appropriate scenes um all right is there anything else you want to say about christopher lee before we uh transition to a little bit more uh... i'll do it at the end okay. when we do the rating all right yeah um so yeah the the last one of all of these that i watched late last night was the 1992 Me from Stoker's Dracula. I know both of us I at like 10 o'clock last night. my time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's when I was, I was getting closer to finishing mine then. Um, so like what's funny about this, and again, I no, I won't stop bringing up Buffy. I literally can't. This came out, I think the same year as the Buffy movie, by the way. So I don't know what was in the water in 1992. Um, but we definitely were getting like, well, I made this point last night. I was going to say that, oh, like, vampires were very in. Vampires are kind of just always in. Like, they're always around. You'll have your bigger yeah. phenomenons. You'll have your you know, twilights mm-hmm. or whatever. And, like, they're, they're just, it's, it's you know, eternal. It's a very easy story to go back to. Um, but Speaking of Twilight, mm-hmm. when people complain that Twilight is too horny to be a real effective vampire story, I just want to, like... Watch Bram Stoker's like, Dracula. Uh, just, like... Memeify like vampires look at this are horny. Like what? <laughs> That's the whole point it, of right. vampires. Is, so, if your vampire's not horny, I don't know what you're doing. Like, yeah. So that's what I when when you uh, were out of internet, I was going to say that I have a theory as to why the first one doesn't work and why the other ones mm-hmm. work so well. But uh, more specific to this one is that, or or even the Spanish version compared to yeah. the English version from thirty one is that. This movie is so much hornier, oh and the the one from thirty one is like completely. Sexy. I know it's yeah. really annoying. Right, it's it, is... it's sexless to the point that like when Harker tries to go comfort um, Mina at mm-hmm. one point, Mina's like, "I can't kiss you." Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like, God, come... no. The whole point is you're just horn for him. Oh my God, yeah. So they, and then kind of turning it up to eleven, uh, Coppola here. <laughs> In the 90s version, it's just... Where he has Mina uh, and Lucy making out as Dracula transforms into a werewolf. Yeah, so Where did that, that happened so, That happened so fast that I wasn't sure if that was like a hallucination or something. Because I'm like, wait, they're really just like making out right now? I have right now? absolutely happened... no idea anything well, that happened Because they had that like lengthy movie. talk earlier where they were like looking at like the like Kama Sutra type book or I guess it's Arabian Nights, but like they're looking Which... at the, uh, yeah. So I, I felt like it was like in that scene in the office where uh, Dwight or uh, Michael starts passing around the Kama Sutra and Kree's like, Oh, I know that one. It's the union of the monkey. Yeah. God. Yeah. So I think Winona's great in this. Um, I think she's good. I mean, her Winona's her, the best part of this. Movie. She's good. I I'll still stand for, I think Anthony Hopkins and Richard E. Grant both are, are oh well okay the, the, the trio of dudes and winona writer yeah keanu reeves keanu... and gary oldman and anthony hopkins i have no idea what the i mean i almost don't even like 
we don't need to pile like this Keanu Reeves performance like there's so much writing on the pile internet on that's like this is the worst performance ever committed to I film know. and I don't know if it's that it's one of those <laughs> things like good. if someone brings up Les Miserables like the Tom Hooper Labors yeah. I'm just like I'm not even gonna talk about Russell Crowe. Right, like, we like, we it's, right. It's not it's, that's all that people will talk about. Like it's it's <laughs> so mute at right. this point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, poor Keanu. I th- I think Keanu in this, I think he's doing his best, and uh, he looks, he looks great, great. And good for him. He he looks fantastic. Um, I will say. Keanu, Keanu Reeves, some of these actors. So I just want to make sure I'm, I'm not crazy with my timing here. Okay, so this was in a stretch, like a five-year stretch, where Keanu was like sort of like a, the young hotness, and they were really trying to figure out what his career was going to be. And so, you know, he's doing the Bill and Ted's. He's doing like Point Break. You know, he's in like Parenthood. But he also does... Is Speed before or after this? Speed is after. Speed, speed I think is 94. Is but there's a five-year stretch where he was... Speed should be in this Ebert book. That movie fucking <laughs> I know, I, rules. It really does. Speed, it's so to. good. Um, but there is a, a five-year span where he, he's experimenting with, like, period pieces, right? Like, I think before he realized that maybe mm. that was not the direction his career was going to go. But he's in Dangerous Liaisons in 1988. Have you either of you seen Dangerous oh, Liaisons? So, I, I really like Dangerous Liaisons. I love Dangerous Liaisons. Liaisons. It's great. Um, Mainly for the Glenn Close performance. The, Glenn the Close fact that she didn't win that year is insane. So I took this. Well, that's oh, all right. We'll get it this year. That. Fucking hell. Um, I, t- I took a really excellent, excellent class in college that was like a, I can't remember the title of it, but it was essentially a, a European history class. And our, the professor, who was my uh, faculty advisor in college, uh, the way she set up the class is we would study a time period. And then we would read a book, like a novel based on that, that was set in that time period. And if there was a film accompanying it, we would watch the film. And so when we were doing like a unit on France, we read and then watched Dangerous Liaisons for this history class. It was so excellent. It's like the perfect class. It was so good. Um, But I had never seen Dangerous Liaisons until college. I'd obviously seen Cruel Intentions like 85 times before ever having seen Dangerous Liaisons. Um, (laughs) But it's excellent. Very long story, not short. Keanu's okay in it. It's, he's a pretty small role, and he's supposed to just sort of be like a mm-hmm. sap, and so it's it's fine. Um, but then he does this. Um, that's 88. This is 92, where he has a much more prominent role in uh, Keanu, no. Um, and then <laughs> the next year is Much Ado About Nothing. Now, Kenneth Branagh, Much Ado About Nothing. I fucking mm. love that movie. Which is an amazing movie. And I a lot of people don't really like Keanu in it. I think he's good in it. But I think letting him be the bad guy makes the difference there. Like it gives him, it just gives him something to do that's a little bit more interesting where he's not just this like, he is, I mean, I, I'm. He's lost in, in the Oh my God. I, I'm not here to, to, I don't like to really make sort of like the, the beta cuck jokes of the internet necessarily. <laughs> But Jesus! I would have ever thought. I love, I love where this is going. I mean, I'm literally trying to figure out like what, what is the what is Keanu doing in this movie, and what is this poor this movie doing to poor Jonathan Harker? Like he just gets just like he's sort of the love interest until the movie decides that no, Winona actually has this eternal pull to Dracula, and that's like. The whole final act of the movie, I just, and then he's like, no, let her go. And I'm like, what? What? 
Ugh, buddy. <laughs> that, oh my god. Yeah, I just like it's ugh, not not the strongest character, and it does not do Keanu any favors and his bad accent. Yeah, um, and and like you were saying, like about Much Ado, just putting him in that villain role, I think he at least kind of is able to find his footing yes. more. Like, I don't think he's ever able to, to latch find his on footing to. He has in this one. nothing to latch on to in this movie. And also, also in Much Ado About Nothing, um, you can tell he's not as experienced with this sort of Shakespearean sort of work, mm-hmm. but he's playing alongside Emma Thompson. He's playing alongside Kenneth Branagh. Denzel Washington, and who, who plays I, his brother I was building up to oh, it, Jenna. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, but like Denzel in that movie is incredible. And I wish Denzel would be in more of these movies sometimes. Sure. Um, but like... And I think that's also able to help him because, like, if if you have an actor who's struggling to find his footing in this sort of setting and this sort of mm-hmm. dialogue, and you think, okay, let's throw Gary Oldman next to him, uh-huh. that's not going to help him at all. No, no, because <laughs> Gary Oldman this movie is doesn't just... no favors. No, and I don't love Gary Oldman in this movie, but he's make he. But he sort of joked like, we, like Keanu's making a choice, and I, I do think. The problem was, as Nick kind of said, he's not making a choice. Like he's, yeah, he's, that's probably true. He's barely staying yeah. afloat. He's like I was trying say to that... keep his head above water, <laughs> and he's got Gary Oldman over here who is making all of the choices. Those are the choices. <laughs> and Keanu just is like trying to stay afloat. Yeah, they're like, I don't, I don't think Oldman's terrible in this. Um, I don't love him in it, but the, like the the ways in which the performances aren't good are yeah. are quite disparate. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oldman is going like peak Oldman, whereas Keanu just like you—you you can tell the entire time he's like, "How do I say this word with an English accent?" Oh right. shit, I gotta say it now. Fair enough. And that's and that's the one I'll never. That's what I think is beautiful. And that's what I think Winona is so good at because she's not maybe the most natural with accents like this necessarily but it it's understated enough it's like she's sort of she's just sort of barely doing enough of an accent and it it feels so much more natural it does not feel like she's thinking about every syllable that she's saying winona was able i think out of all the actors to best internalize this like fifth like eternal horny love triangle Mm -hmm. of this that that's just like ridiculously put together by coppola yeah but like she's the one that's able to make it seem stupid while never like absolutely destroying what's going on like Oldman would. Mm-hmm. So not to just to, to take the the pressure off Keanu for a second here and complain about some other people. Uh, Sadie Frost in this movie as Lucy. <laughs> what is she doing? What is she doing? Um, I actually, so I somehow did not really know that Sadie Frost was an actress. Like, I, she's a fashion designer, and she's Jude Law's ex-wife. And so when I saw that that was Sadie Frost, I'm like, oh, I guess she acts sometimes, too. And it's like, oh, maybe this is why she doesn't act all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the scenes with her and Winona are fun, but I think it's because Winona brings a lot of fun sort of, like, friend chemistry to it. Yeah, the chemistry's there, but... Maybe her performance itself isn't. Yeah. And then how do we feel about Tom Waits in this movie? That was the main one <laughs> Let's I wanted talk to talk Tom about. Tom Waits for a second. <laughs> he's Renfield, um, by the way. He's, he, he's our Renfield in this movie. Mm-hmm. For, for the kind of music that Tom Waits uh, makes, yeah. I'm not surprised this is how we, he, he is. But I'm 
just why is he going so much? Have, like, why is he so much? Have you? He, he's already <laughs> such a weird dude. Have you ever seen him act in in anything else, Dylan? Have you ever seen Tom Waits show? You, you I mean, must have. He he shows up in a lot of stuff. I've seen seven he was in, psychopaths. Uh, Buster Scruggs. Oh, a couple years Book ago. of Eli. I've seen yeah. Book of Eli. Did you? You never saw Buster Scruggs, did you, Dylan? I st- that's the I think the only Cohen movie I have never seen. He's really really fantastic. In I Buster think Scruggs. his yeah, he's like quite good his that. weird but sort of like dry feeling mm-hmm. would work really well in Buster Scruggs. But weird yeah. and being absolutely unhinged beyond he, any comprehension he, does I mean, not work. Ren- I mean Renfield is your most over the top. I mean right? He's our he's a, a yes, bug eating but- guy in a <laughs> mental institution. So you're not going to go small. I think there's with a way it. you could. I I don't. I I think there's a way you don't go small with it, but you don't go absolutely insane with it. Yeah. Like he's some like like you know Tom Waits's draw. Like yeah. he's got some like weird. He's yeah. eating the corner and the bugs, and he's not like ah like he is in most of the scenes in this movie. I, I'm not even sure I can explain why, but he felt weirdly modern to me. Like he there's something about him that seemed that just sort of stuck out to me. Like. That I felt like this was a character in the '90s, and I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't yeah, know if it's true. just his. I it just did not quite line up for me. I mean, I was I was amused to see him. I'm always happy when he pops up in things, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think that sort of take on the character is right for a Renfield character. I just don't think he's yeah. the one to do it, and he's done it. He's done it well in other movies. Like I I really like him in Seven yeah. Psychopaths. Uh-huh. Um, and he's playing another like super off the wall type yeah. type dude. Um, I just think like I know there's something about him that uh, it just didn't work. I, I I want someone who's a little more like Crispin Glover, a little yeah. more Crispin Glover and, like, in the '90s would have been s- sniveling. That been perfect. perfect. For this. Yeah, role. this would have been right around the time. This must have been right around when Willard came out. That weird rat horror movie that Crispin Glover made. The up. rat yeah. movie. Speaking yeah. of rats, uh, when when Dracula turns into rats, that's pretty cool. Uh, that scene, that scene does rule. Willard, no, Willard was Willard was oh, two thousand. That was ten years later. Wow. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry, Crispin Glover. Um, yeah. So we, we we mentioned him a little bit briefly earlier, but shout out Richard E. Grant, who I think is really good as Seward yeah. in this movie, and like I. The guys being dudes. Did not recognize at first. And like as as I sort of got more used to him in the role, then I started sort of being able to – because I was not familiar with Richard E. Grant pretty much until uh, the you know his Oscar run a couple of years ago. And then going back, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I've seen him in things. I just never really gave him much thought. Um, ugh, he's good in this. Um, I didn't know it was him at all until – on Amazon, they have one of those like sidebars, like you pause it, the Amazon and the X-ray. Will pop up, yeah. and I was like, Richard E. Grant, and I was like, Oh my god, yeah, because he he says that he doesn't have that weird wrinkly face like he does <laughs> yeah, as in in the, in the more modern times, yeah. but he still has that like his face is shaped like this condensed oval. Apparently, it's really long. He's he's in the player this same year, which. I love and I have no memory of him. Oh, really? In. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, the player at all. Yeah, I don't remember the player either. Man, his 90s. But there's like 200 right. people. There's I don't 200 people in the player. Someone so. in a Robert Altman movie. He's also in Gosford Park, apparently. So. Um, uh, I, I, I was just about to say. Thing. I don't remember him in that. There's yeah. a million people. You want to talk about a movie with 200 people yeah, in it? Yeah. Um, I mainly. 
I don't remember him. He he and uh, of course Winona are both in um, Age of Innocence. I don't yeah. remember him in that. Either. I feel like he's for a long time he sort of blended in as you know, a background guy or a part of an ensemble. We need to talk a little yeah. bit about Winona. Like this, the the late eighties, early nineties era Winona is um, maybe the biggest maybe the biggest cinematic crush I've ever had. Like especially, <laughs> oh. at, like ending, going from from like. Uh, like Beetlejuice is maybe the earliest yeah. one, all the way up to Reality Bites. Beetlejuice like, in huge, eight, yeah, huge on, yeah, huge crush on her. And now spanning like well over movies. 20 I'm years. assuming it's the same for you. Like those movies were just even though we were pretty. It's like Beetlejuice came out when we would have been like three years old. But like those, the Beetlejuice, Heather's, yeah, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, like those movies were just such a huge part of my childhood they were on tv a lot they everyone that i knew that had older siblings would always like put them on or we'd watch them and stuff and so yeah she was just like that's ingrained in my childhood it's all of these winona ryder movies Mm -hmm. and like winona ryder spooky movies right like beetlejuice edward scissorhands heathers like you know pretty pretty spooky vibe across the board Mm -hmm. yeah she's Um, excellent yeah, but somehow I yeah, missed this one until too. just this week. I mean, I can see what, what why I, thought... I did not see this as a young person. <laughs> I can see why this was kept <laughs> yeah, kept yeah. from me um, when I was a... Yeah. Why my parents didn't take me to the theater when I was oh seven. My God. <laughs> I did also, um, what? I will say very, very quickly, the other thing she's in, I guess it's five years later. By 97, we're at a later Winona. But I only very recently saw her performance in Alien Resurrection. Um, which was another 90s Winona that I can see why I missed. But her 90s run is just crazy. It's just crazy. I was just, when Nick was building up to how much he had the hots for Winona, I thought he was building up to uh, just how insane of a peak she had. Like, she has one of the most insane celebrity peaks. And then, eh, where was Winona for 20 years? Well, she was troubled is where she was. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm glad she, I'm glad she's come back. Um, I'm not a big Stranger Things person, but I'm really happy for her with like what that seems to have done for her career a little bit. Um, I was really excited for Destination Wedding, the Netflix rom-com she did with Keanu a couple years ago. Um, apparently it's pretty bad, so I didn't end up watching it. Um, but cause I, there was a bunch of press. Oh, so I don't know if you guys followed the press cycle around that movie. Probably not. Why would you have? Um, but Winona and Keanu apparently like were really close, like loved, like from making Dracula together. And they told this anecdote about how that wedding ceremony that is in this movie that like someone told them that that was like a legal wedding ceremony like whatever wherever they were filming i don't know if they were in romania or where they were so they're like i don't know we think we're kind of married <laughs> like it was, it was obviously just like a funny anecdote for promoting their movie you know 20 years later but um yeah there she's she's great I'm, I'm glad she's back around hold hold on monica bellucci was dracula's she's wife in that one movie? of them yeah yeah, she's the. She, I did not the, catch that. I want to say the. I want to say the main one, right. but maybe the it's just because I don't recognize the other two, and one of them's right. like Monica yeah, the, Bellucci. Um, that's Matt did, Matt did the exact same thing when the like closing credits started rolling. He went Monica Bellucci. I'm like, yeah, she was one of those wives. <laughs> like she was. Yeah. So, okay, that our, makes more sense. Our, I just saw that on the letterbox page. I was like, our what? Transi- so our transition to talking about this movie was Dracula wife orgy. Um, that. <laughs> Thanks, scene. Tana. Sorry, just to bring it back to that, because well, you brought up Monica Bellucci. 
that that scene like <laughs> that scene what with the Keanu. Um, I Coppola. Okay, Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> maybe is not the director I want to see like directing sexy times is maybe how I feel about it. Um, I, I think unless I'm missing something obvious, this is only the fourth Francis Ford Coppola movie I've ever seen. Um, Oh wait, Hmm. he directed the 1974 great Gatsby. Is that correct? Is that what the, Oh no, he wrote the screenplay. No. Okay, screenplay. Oof. Okay. So you've you've never seen oh. Jack? Okay, I've seen Jack. Sorry. So this is the fifth one. Um, oh yeah, no, that's, sorry. I'm, Wikipedia is showing okay, me too you, many of you, his screenplays. I, I really have. Regardless, the man should not make sexy movies. I stand by that. Um, no. Because there's a lot of imagery in this movie that's like sort of very Apocalypse Now-ish, right? Like a lot of sort of reds and people in the shadows and stark lighting. And that... Uh, it, it's it's like they have... The, the opening battle scene uh, yeah. is fantastic. It, it, they have the sort of like double layers mm-hmm. of things going on. Like when in Apocalypse Now at the beginning when there's like the helicopters and the fire going over Martin Sheen's face as he like lies in bed. And in this one, it's like they have Dracula like ha 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 is like lucy and mina are running yeah. through the, the 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 garden that sort of thing kind of is back to back but like yeah. i don't know i don't know how i feel about coppola as a director he's so hit or miss yeah i also um uh sorry to the rainmaker which i also have seen multiple times and forgot about um but good movie <laughs> perfectly and so you haven't seen the conversation i've never seen the conversation i would like to i, I think i would like the conversation yeah um, how is that not in the great I've, movies book i've never the, the weirder one is that i've never seen the outsiders um that you, you that, think that's I, that seems movie, like a jana right? a teenage jana yeah, movie i think that it just wasn't for whatever reason not it was like sort of passe by the time it was in like a low point um by the time i was a teen but yeah godfather godfather 2 apocalypse now and then jack and the incredible movies um well well, that's the thing is that i sort of he made to me what are three nearly perfect movies (laughs) and then (laughs) then then started going into different directions and and props to him for for experimenting but and it seems like sometimes it works. Yeah. And I don't think this Dracula movie is bad. No. But I don't think it's worth much for me. I get why people love it, though. But I it, it just doesn't fully connect I for me. had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I'm, I'm super mm. glad. I had so much fun. I had so, I had much, so much fun I had watching so much it. Fun watching um, it. Even the parts where I was just sort of flabbergasted by it. Like, can we talk for a minute about like the extended sequence at the picture house the the cinema they don't call it a cinematique they call it something um but where um because this that scene goes on for so long where winona i guess i should say mina and dracula but winona and gary oldman go and then um then the actual wait so hold on there was an actual wolf that escaped from the zoo i thought that that was just people were confused <laughs> it was that so they, he had turned into a wolf and that there was a news story saying a wolf had escaped from the zoo, but it was just a Dracula wolf. But there was an actual wolf also. Okay. Yeah. Sure. As, as happens. As happens. Um, <laughs> and like that, I think one of the tonal issues with this movie is, and I sort of brought this up already. Oh, this movie has tonal it issues. Has tonal issues. And it's just like, what? 
how, what does what does Winona know and when does she know it? <laughs> like how, what is governing her? Like seeing him, he also can do mind control in this one where he does the like the don't see me and then the see me now. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Um, I think she's really good, but all the scenes with Gary Oldman, I just not like, there's just not chemistry there, which why would there it's be? It's so uncomfortable. Which why would there be? Um, yeah. So that's, you know. But we, we talked about the Brosby and Bros, the true highlight of this movie, um, which is the young dudes. I, I, I do have to point out, um, Nellie watched mm-hmm. the Bram Stoker's one with me, and she, she actually liked uh, Gary Oldman in it. And she said she did not like him in uh, that no. other movie. Which is what she, which is what she called Mank. <laughs> I was really um, afraid of what that other movie was about to be. Uh, but she, she liked him in this, so we concluded that she doesn't like Gary Oldman, but she likes yeah, Gary Oldman. Yeah, sure. Oh my god. Have you guys seen Sid and Nancy? No. Um. I think that's probably his best role, unless you want to count True Romance, in which he's doing true, just true so much. Is absolutely, no. true, romance, true Romance is non-negotiably something I need to watch this year and just finally yeah. see it because I've, I've never seen. True oh, romance. you haven't seen I it. I need to okay. see it. He, he's seeing him will be uh, yeah. a, a revelation. <laughs> it's maybe the craziest performance in the history of cinema. I, okay, I'm trying to think of what would have been the first thing I didn't see. Sid and Nancy. He plays Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK. It's, That's something it's a, I should have known. It's, um, <laughs> That's I'm going to be happy. <laughs> What's funny? So this I is can, I can't wait to love that. I know, movie. me too. Like, it's going to be so it's funny. It's going to be really funny when Nick movie. and I think JFK is a master. Like people do think it's a master. Oh no, people love it. And I like so, this is the thing. If you like Oliver Stone, JFK yeah. is going to work for you. I, mean, I just I don't, don't like the way Oliver Stone tells stories, and it's just and JFK encapsulates a I lot have, of like, that no i have like no feelings about oliver stone so i'm curious he's made a lot of bad movies um but we'll we'll get there when we get there well for my first gary oldman movie um just because of my age it was um him as serious black in prisoner of azkaban which i, yeah, I think right. is just the epitome of what a good gary oldman performance should be which is unhinged mm-hmm. but you also have a lot of heart behind it. And I think, right. it, especially if he's playing a good guy, because, you know, in right. like Leo and the professional, you know, there's not going to be a lot of heart behind him. But, right. like, that's what he's tortured, Tinker Taylor right? Soldier like, Spy. He's a good tortured. Yeah. I like Tinker Taylor. Like, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, he's not, he's not like the unhinged Gary Oldman, but he's still, like, weirdly dry in that movie. I... But you have a lot of care behind, you know, uh, Smiley, I think is the name from the character. Mm-hmm. George yeah, Miley. Yeah. I, I love that. Movie. I love that movie too. Oh, it's so good. The I wish they would have just given him the Oscar for that. Why? Why didn't he? Yep. So, that's his best. That would have saved us all a lot of trouble um, if they would have just done that. Yeah. Oh man, that's the that's the Jean Dujardin. Jean Dujardin. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, Ugh. it's not his best performance, but uh, Commissioner Gordon, Dark Knight Rises, same thing. He, good. He's he's pretty crazy, but he still has like that heart of gold behind it, and that's when Gary Oldman works the most for me. Is the serious black sort of thing. Have either of you guys seen Immortal Beloved, where he plays Beethoven? <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah. I've seen it's, parts of it, and uh, it's bad. I saw it when I was pretty young, and you know, it's it's one of those movies that when you're pretty young you're like this is a fancy movie it like, is this, this is about 
this is European and there's important people in it and they're playing important people. So I remember being like very impressed. I mean, like Isabella Rossellini's in it. Um, I have not seen it since I was quite young. And so I'm I'm afraid to revisit. But I thought it was just so impressive it's <laughs> when one of I those, was like 10. It's one of those movies that if you've seen Amadeus already, you yeah, realize I saw like... Amadeus much later. Oh, this... They... they this they really they just wanted off. to do the Amadeus thing, and it it goes nothing as well as the Amadeus movie goes. So I I promise I will not just keep reading off of um, his Wikipedia page here, but I just want to shout out to, in my experience, the truly most upsettingly unhinged um, Gary Oldman performance, which is in the movie Hannibal, uh, reteaming oh, him God. with Anthony Hopkins. Where he plays Mason Verger, who is just Mason truly is the worst, truly grotesque. Yeah, say so that he's a truly grotesque uh, Thomas Harris creation, and Gary Oldman leans right into it. Um, it's super gross. Is he like the 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 creepy? Uh, he he ate his own face. There's there's some there's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really what you need to know about Mason Verger is that I Anthony is the Mason. Hannibal Lecter like hypnotized him into eating his own face. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that movie. Yeah, Hannibal's bad. Um, have you... Uh, yeah, and he's... I, I'm whatever. I'm a Hannibal person. I've read all those books. I've seen the movies. I've watched the TV show. Um, the TV Jesus show Christ. is very good. Yeah, and, and the, the way they handle Mason Verger, probably because they have some television-type limitations, I think is better. Um, but And I think the person ugh. they cast is appropriately insane for Mason without... Gary Oldman. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I love Gary Oldman. Shout that but... out because. <sighs> yeah. I needed to verify that uh, Amadeus is in book two. Oh, great! So. Thank God. Movie. Yeah. Good. That movie rules. Holy. Okay. Sorry. Bra- breaking news: Gary Oldman is in our most anticipated movie of 2021, The Woman in the Window. So um, <laughs> we can look forward to whatever the hell he's going to do in that movie. The most anticipated movie for like the last 10 years, it feels like at least. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, window, Lord. that movie's ne- scheduled to come out October 4th, 2019. <laughs> oh, that movie. Um, all right. So let's regroup. Um, what else do we want to say about... I- this ridiculous movie um won a bunch of oscars won three oscars it did this is um, the only one that really got any sort of awards it did and i will say the makeup and costume design oscars i think are especially completely the makeup i think the makeup yeah. is well, absolutely say, stellar in this movie and i think their costumes i mean granted the costumes are largely like the beautiful dresses they have yeah. you know, a rider in but looks good to me they look good yeah yeah, I think I got a sound Oscar also, but the seems and it was nominated for but did not win the art direction mm. Oscar because also has some phenomenal art direction in this thing. Who sh- who shot this movie? Because I think it looks incredible. It does it looks uh, really good? Michael Ballhouse. Mm. He won for yeah. Goodfellas. Oh, oh, he's a Scorsese guy. Look at that. Oh yeah. yeah. After yeah, he, hours, he was Last a, a Christ, Goodfellas, Age of Innocence. Oh my God. Color of money. Departed. Color of money looks good. Yeah. He was a Rainer Warner Fassbender guy. Oh, and James um, L. Brooks. He shot Broadcast News too. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He shot. A, yeah, he shot a lot of good shit. Yeah. Good looking movie. Die. Sorry. Rude. Um, 
Yeah. 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 He, yeah he, he was, uh, he was 81. Yeah. Um, One of the very few celebrities I've ever seen that is born and dies in the same city. Berlin, Germany. Berlin. Sure. Um, yeah. No. Excellent. Um, it looks really fantastic. Um, I actually thought the score was was kind of fun. It's pretty intense. Um, there were times way, that I thought the score I... was really working, and then other times I thought the score just it shot for the moon and hit the sun. Is the way yeah, I would put it. Yeah, this um, Who the, does the it? music was done by a Polish composer whose name I'm very afraid to try to say out loud. Wojciech Kilar. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, go for it. Um, I will say he won the, the Cesar Award, which is like the French Oscars. He won the Cesar Award for Best Film Music for the Pianist, um, huh. which makes sense as a you know Polish composer. And I presume that the, the music was probably pretty important in that movie. Um, have not seen it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked to. Yeah, I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> yes. That's a good call. <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, did you guys know that this movie was a hit? Oh, that I read it was like 215 million gross. Uh-huh. And it was had like, a forty million dollar budget. It made two hundred and fifteen million dollars. It was holy a huge crap! Hit. Yeah, yeah. I kind of good for from, good for it. Yeah, man. I, I I had so much fun with this I movie. Did too. I thought it was I'm I thought it was an absolute hoot. If you guys had more fun than I did by watching it with someone else, maybe because I watched it from yeah, eleven to one o'clock at night alone on my bed. Sure. That's that's rough. That's probably say, not the way to watch it. I will say that. I, although I, I will say I started it late last night and after like a very long week and I was like, you know, if I fall asleep, I fall asleep. I'll finish it in the morning. Um, but I did not. Like I, I don't know I how you in. could fall asleep in this movie. Yeah, right. It it uh it had me from from the very beginning. Um Oh, um, actually I, the tagline I think sums up this movie pretty well. Which is, mm-hmm. if anyone's a Phantom of the Opera fan... Love Never Dies. I Love Never it. Dies is the insanely bonkers deconstructionist sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And this kind of feels like an insanely bonkers deconstructionist version of Dracula. It has a Phantom Opera. Yeah, I was going to say, it has sort of a similar... like you know, It's obviously like a gothic vibe and everything. But you're right, it's kind of like, what if Dracula... Or in the Phantom sequels case, the Phantom was actually not the villain, but the romantic hero of the movie. Like, okay, mm-hmm. sort of, I guess. Um, Except there's no like ten year old son that's son. Thank God. Um, <laughs> we 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 already mentioned it. The ending of this movie is crazy. Um, she goes off with Dracula and then chops his head Plop. off, and then just kind of looks sad about it. Um, and then it just ends. Only- <laughs> And then it ends. And so there's, you know, a reference earlier that she's going to become a vampire because he drank her blood, she drank his blood, and then, you know, she Mm -hmm. kind of asks, like, Harker and or Harker and Van Helsing, like, will you do what needs to be done with me or whatever? But what I don't know, because it's not clear, and I guess it doesn't matter, is, like, is it like the other ones where now that he's dead, is she just going to go back to normal? I don't know. Is she a vampire? What's happening? I guess it doesn't matter. It just ends. Um, the- yeah, I feel like no, uh, not for any like right. lo- logistical reason, but like 
How weird would it be if she just went back to normal <laughs> and she goes back to Harker and she's like, so anyways, about, about that. that. That was, sorry, uh, past life. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, the, the, the one last thing I want to make sure we mention about this movie, because we've called out all the strange tweaks to the, the Dracula and the vampire mythos that these movies do. So in this movie, the one with the one uh, like in the last one where they're like, oh, that's a fallacy. He can't turn into a bat. And this one, it's like, you may have heard that vampires can't go out into the sunlight. How what we suppose is <laughs> in the sunlight, vampires are young and hot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. What, what this what this movie presupposes is they become much younger and get cool. Shit. Right. Like, <laughs> it's so I, I know why they did it, because you, I you can't have the whole movie with Gary Oldman looking like Gary Oldman looks like in the opening. Especially if you want him to be uh, the romantic interest. <laughs> yes. Um, so they have to, but yeah, I just, that, that of all the weird vampire messing with the mythology being like, instead of sun burning him up, it makes him young and sexy. Like, okay. Scare quotes around both young and sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear. Um, I, I honestly would recommend watching this movie. Like if someone just wants to like likes vampire stories i you wouldn't recommend it i would recommend watching this movie i think it's a fun i don't, I think I don't a fun know night i think it depends just who you are like i'm not gonna rec- yeah, i guess that's true unlike the 1958 dracula movie which i'm gonna recommend to every freaking soul in the world because that is my dracula movie respect for my dracula that is the best it's good yeah i have i have no complaints um i would highly recommend that one as well i i would not necessarily maybe have, have we reached well let's not do thumbs up thumbs down we've gotten so far afield we need to at least talk about the roger ebert essay for the 1931 i i have Dracula, one quick which point like up about the 31 version before we do the the uh ebert okay. that I, I meant to mention but uh kind of got lost in um todd browning as a director mm-hmm. oh yeah uh he is so fucked up like to the extent that todd browning makes fucked up movies is almost you can't even almost state how messed up these movies are. Specifically, his two most famous besides Dracula are Freaks and The Unknown. And um, neither of you guys have seen either of those, right? No. I'm going right. to try... I mean, this is movies from the 20s and 30s. I'm going to try not to spoil too much of these movies. But the basic premise of both of them... In Freaks, it's... Uh, there's a woman who's in a carnival... Uh, she finds out that one of the little people, <laughs> they're not called that specifically in the I movie, I was going to say, I know, I, 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 I believe they're called freaks, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the movie, actually has quite a fortune. And so she and her hot soap boyfriend is like, what if we marry you to him and then we murder him? And so there's this weird, there's this normal guy, but he's kind of weird and not that interesting. And then there's the the other who is supposed to be the one that they're married to um Mm. who's much more interesting but deformed in some deformed i mean this is the way the politics of the movie respect no i i mean that this movie is 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 well known for being um you know not not modern in its sensibilities let's put it that way no but in the end you almost root for them in the comeuppance sure. that they give. And I think that's also somewhat even progressive by today's standards. I cannot tell Fair how the, the politics of this movie lies, but that's how it goes. And it's horribly demented. This sort of like, you have a relationship between two quote unquote 
typical mm-hmm. normal people. Sure. Um, and then the weird demented side of things. Mm-hmm. And then in the unknown, also a carnival person kind of likes this one dude, but he has big strong arms. He's a strong man in, in the carnival. And she has a phobia to men's arms. Now, Lon Chaney Sr., weird man as he is, uh, plays the knife thrower who only throws knives with his feet because he doesn't have any arms. Turns out, though, he actually is a con artist artist murderer with arms. He just ties them weirdly behind his back because if Lon Chaney's taking a role, he's going to deform his body in some sort of way. Contort himself in some way, yeah. Yeah. So... He has the hots for the girl, and he decides, you know what? She likes me because I don't have any arms. What I'm going to do, because if I want to fuck her and embrace her, uh, she's going to find out I have arms. So he goes over, and he de- he uh, cuts his arms off. And Jen is Obviously. looking at... I knew where that was going. I was just like, <laughs> okay, so then he cuts off his own arms. Cool. We've all seen the lobster. We know how this goes. Now, Good when he, he comes back from his arm-cutting-off operation, she's like, hey, I got over my phobia. I'm going to marry the strong man. Ay, ay, ay. And fucked up things ensue. And gotcha. those movies, you have a woman, they have a possible love interest with a person, and you have this weird, demented sexual sure. figure. Mm-hmm. And So you wanted more of that from Dracula, is I d- what you're saying. It's just like, he's so primed to making a demented messed up horrifying dracula movie and it goes so along with the sensibilities of his other two main films the the, uh, the original source material at least that he makes such a stale movie out of this is so horribly disappointing i just i don't yeah. I, I don't get it this he, this should have been the perfect sort of casting for this and i yeah. almost wonder if it's because on the dracula wikipedia page it says Todd Browning that, is the director, but uncredited is Carl Freund, the cinematographer. Yeah, it sounds like he was like distracted, like literally distracted, or had to like peace out to go do something else at some point. Maybe so he, his focus it would make sense here. because he seems like the right person for the job, given those two movies in their sort of storylines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. It's just disappointing. Fair enough. Yeah. So, do you guys have? Uh, Ebert quotes. I, I told you. Would it be bad if I said no? Um, I've got a very short sure. one. Sure. He says uh, he's talking about how uh, it was seen as uh, maybe like scary or, or different mm-hmm. in 1931. And he says, perhaps that was true in 1931, but today I think the movie is interesting mostly for technical reasons. And uh, that is. That um, is the only thing I really circled. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I circled that. It's too. like damning with faint praise. I don't understand. Like, I don't get the sense that he really thinks this is a four-star right. movie. Right, he, he does uh, not justify its placement in the book, and it's so funny because after last week, I shouted out the Ebert essay specifically for being like, I thought the movie was good, and then the essay really clarified for me what makes it great. I thought mm. maybe that would happen this time, and then I was like, no, the essay is kind of like, well, it's interesting, um, you know, and then. Like the, even so, I also circled the the final section where that's he, all, yeah. right? He talks about though, um, but yeah, there's a moment though when Legosi draws close to the sleeping Lucy, and all of the elements of the material draw together. We consider the dreadful trade-off immortality, but as a vampire, from our point of view, Dracula is committing an unspeakable crime from his offering an unspeakable gift. 
But that's just about Dracula. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a great summation mm-hmm. of the character of Dracula that really has nothing to do with this film. Um, and I, I didn't so. even get the gift part in the 30s Dracula, no. which I, I find much more effective in the 50s. And still, even if it's not my favorite, it's still pretty yeah. effectively conveyed in the 90s version. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is just... A- <laughs> Um, shout out to Roger for playing the playing the hits and um, telling us that he saw the restored version of the film in September 1999 at the Telluride Film Festival with the, with the fill of glass, fill of glass yeah. Kronos Quartet. That score. that was the yeah. most interesting thing in the entire essay. Yeah, shout out shout out to Roger for to circle in back to let us know when and where he saw this movie. Um, so yeah, not not the strongest. Um, so for the first time in a long time, I am curious to ask you guys for your um, thumbs up, thumbs down on on this movie, on the 1931 Dracula. Uh, uh, Dylan, by the way, I, hi, I need to narrate and did a bit of the, the Joaquin Phoenix, the Joaquin and, um, Phoenix Gladiator, yeah. where he, he kept us in, in suspense before eventually doing thumbs down. I still, I, 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 you go, Nick. <laughs> Based on how hesitant you were, I I, I wonder because I think I'm going to go thumbs down too, and I, I have a guess we're going to give the exact same star rating. We're debating between two numbers, yeah. so that's yeah. my it's it's the same. That's my theory, but I think I'm going to go thumbs down too. I think I am too. I was I was kind of that's like, incredible. Is there enough? I know. I was like, is there enough here to like eke out a thumbs up? But like, I, and I we didn't do it any favors by watching the other versions. I think too because it's like, it but just I sort think of shows... it helped contextualize. The thirty oh, version. Sure, sure. Oh, it did, but it also mm-hmm. it just did not do me any favors in terms of giving this movie the benefit of the doubt for its quality. Yeah. Like, I think if this was the only ever made movie by Dracula, I would give it a thumbs up and just say it's interesting. There's, good story. There's some good technical <laughs> aspects. Like, just go watch it. But the yeah. fact that almost every other Dracula version, I would say, brings more to the character and to the story between right. those two, the Nosferatu yeah. adaptions. Like, I would just say in general thumbs down don't recommend just go watch all the other ones and don't waste 70 minutes of your time when yeah. 40 minutes through you're gonna want to turn on your I, nintendo switch i can't i can't really recommend it in good faith i think that's exactly right all right yeah i, I mean i i think from ebert's point of view like it, it seems or, or like to paraphrase him it's it's good historically mm-hmm. like it's sure. sort of an important historical yeah. document if you want to see where all the other draculas came mm-hmm. from but in and of itself like eh. Yeah. Let's just take a moment and realize that we've gone through three movies that Ebert thinks are some of the worst movies of all time. And in none of those three movies did we all give it a thumbs down. Did all three of us. We all give it a thumbs down. We all gave the last one we all thumbs, gave up. thumbs up. up on and the last Usual one. Suspects, you guys gave two up, and I gave a very tentative down. Like, and then on Armageddon, it was swapped, right? Yeah, it was you two gave thumbs down, and I gave it a thumbs up. So. Yeah, so it's, we can usually find plenty of redeeming the qualities yeah. but this one I, being to me being boring is gonna be the greatest sin here if i just don't find anything yeah. interesting to talk about it with uh, yeah yeah i agree and i even like i said the spanish one working from the same material i would give mm-hmm. it a thumbs yeah. up and i i mean we're, okay we're gonna move on to stars here um mm-hmm. i give both the dracula 31 and the 92 version a 2.5 out of 5 or 2.5 out of 4 that's what i would go with okay. But I would give Dracula 92 a thumbs up. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. So it's it's sort of right on the line. Like but it's, versus... it's at least stupid and fun, 
Like mm-hmm. there's like and I like there's something I could recommend about that to a certain person that I think like you would really sort of dig. If someone really mm-hmm. likes Interview with the Vampire, I'm going to be like, go watch the Dracula oh, 92 version. I meant to bring up Interview with the Vampire. We don't have, have any time to get into it at this late stage. But, God, I love, yeah. I saw Interview with the Vampire and read Interview with the Vampire very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is right. Speaking of the early 90s vampire craze, like, this is right in line yeah. with that. And so that's pro- I think I think you're, you just nailed it. Yeah, they're very similar. So even though I give it the same rating, I'm not going to really recommend the 31 Dracula, but I will probably actively recommend the 92 dracula to some people at least sure yeah uh nick, all right where'd you land nick uh are we doing all three sure rating all yeah three? we'll read we'll all three. okay i'm gonna do two for this and then i think i'm gonna do thumbs up and three and a half for both of the other okay two. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm i would say well so don't yeah i'm two stars for Dracula 31. I'm two stars for that. And then I think I'm three for the others with thumbs up for both. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I was I was debating between three and three. And, and then I, yeah. I still need to rate the 58. It's a thumbs up for me, and it's a four out of four. <laughs> Going all Fair in, enough. baby. I love the 58 It's version. good. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, 31, not so much. This is our first sort of we watched it so you didn't have to. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and I, like... I don't know about you guys, but looking at the list before, mm-hmm. like even before we started this project, I was like, well, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this of the right. ones I've seen. They're like mostly bangers mm-hmm. or I think they're pretty good. And then there's this one, which kind of yeah. stuck out. Yeah. Although at least for me, because I hadn't seen Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. for all I knew, they were all going to be on the same level. Like I sort of went into it yeah, assuming yeah. They, and they are, they are not on the same no. level it turns out. Yeah, it's out. interesting that, that we have this and Bride of Frankenstein mm-hmm. both in the book, but they're like, it's, I mean, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein's just on a completely different level. I also think this, is, this stands out as being disappointing for me because I, I'd never yeah. seen it and I love vampire stuff and I was like, I'm finally going to see mm-hmm. the original Dracula and it's like, oh, okay, well, it turns out that this luckily was improved upon going forward. Yeah. Or so, going backward as in Nosferatu. Uh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. So all and right, did, I guess did that's vampire it. or this yeah. come out first? Actually, this came this came out out after vampire. I think that's thirty three. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to catch up with that. Before we um, wrap up, why don't we just do a quick hit of what other movies we've been watching recently? Um, Nick, you can go first because you probably have the most. Sure. Yeah. I. I don't have that many actually this week because I worked a couple nights mm-hmm. this week. So I have the Brisson movie, The Devil, probably, um, and that's uh, the the Devil, comma probably. That's yes, the full title yeah, thank, of the movie. Thank yeah. you for the clarification because it sounded like you weren't sure what movie <laughs> you'd watch. I don't know. The Brisson movie, The Devil, uh, probably. <laughs> El, uh, le, le Diable, probablement. That right. I'm sure and all that. our French listeners will be completely on with uh, your, your pronunciations. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, he said it perfectly. Does Nick, is Nick fluent? Um, <laughs> Who knew? The Green Fog, which is um, an experimental Guy Madden movie where he chopped up a bunch of other different movies and TV shows to basically, he like made a girl talk mashup to recreate Vertigo. It's very oh, weird. That's on. That's what, I've never really understood what Criterion. that was, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I like, you, you need to see Vertigo. Uh, 
and if you haven't seen Vertigo recently, you need to rewatch Vertigo, or you're going to be like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, but it's it's interesting. It's a fun little experimental movie. I watched Fishing with John, which is a TV series oh, from really? the early '90s. It's only yeah, it's only six episodes. It's on Criterion also, and it's just it's sort of like um, if you like like Great British Bake Off or Bob Ross uh-huh. or something like that, where it's just kind of like peaceful. It's a little weird. It's just like he goes fishing with um, Jim Jarmusch, Tom Waits, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who is the John in question? A, a guy named John Lurie, oh, okay. who's an actor, musician. He's in uh, Paris, Texas. Okay. Um, He's in Last stuff. Temptation of Christ. Hmm. Yeah, he is in Last Temptation. So it's, it's just like he goes fishing with dennis hoppers in the last two episodes he gets one of his buds and they go fishing and it's just about them going on a little fishing cool. trip and it's very nice and yeah and useful. even though it's got Pretty like funny. multiple episodes kind of it's only a two and a half hour long movie so it's not like you're getting to yeah, some sort of yeah. decalogue thing but turns out to be like 10 hours that's yes yeah. yeah, it's, it's six it's six episodes of like a normal tv oh, like like 20, oh, 20 okay 22 mm. minutes or so Sure. And then last night I watched One Night in Miami, which uh, was pretty good. I like their performances in that movie. Mm-hmm. The performances are definitely the highlight of. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have you seen that yet, Dylan, or no? No, got to. Gotta catch up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about what about you, Dylan? What'd you watch this week? I only watched three other movies this week. I watched this movie called The Chess Players by Satyajit Rai, the the one, the only. Um, pretty good movie. It's not as good as the five other Saito Chigurai movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only like a four and a half out of five kind of movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, but it was pretty good. I always like movies with chess in it and the way the sort of, and I mean, whenever chess is in movies, they always have some th- sort of thematic relevance of why these people playing a strategy game together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the way this kind of worked into it. Um, Richard Attenborough's in it. So super cool to see Richard Attenborough in something. Sure. Um, I also saw a movie called The White Tiger, which is a movie from this past year. And that's the new one, right? That's yeah. on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it just came out on Netflix. Um, it's getting... It was on the BAFTA shortlist, and mm-hmm. I think it's gotten a couple other awards nominations. Yeah. I think it's one of the worst films I've seen all year, if not the worst wow. film I've seen all year. I thought it was absolutely atrocious. If you're interested in Indian huh. cinema, please do not watch this movie. It's, it sucks. Um, wow. The, the book it's based on is, like, really acclaimed. Yeah. If, I can't imagine the book being any better, if this is the story. It's so stupid. Um, hmm. The one way I'll describe this real quick is... Um, it's it, the um, the the framing device in this movie is the main character is now like this rich businessman and he's emailing um, the Chinese premier mm-hmm. about how cool his life was or not how cool but like his life growing up to become someone successful and in the movie it makes a big point about him just randomly having the premier's email address which is premier at gov dot com. <laughs> And I was like, this is the stupidest movie. (laughs) And then the last one I watched was called The Man Without a Past, which is a Finnish movie from the early 2000s. Um, Just recommended to me. And it was super fun and super sweet. I think if anyone likes sort of sweeter Coen Brother movies, this would be right up your alley. Or maybe Jim Jarmusch, like a sort of light Jarmusch film. Okay. And I I would highly recommend that too. 
Jenna? Cool. Yeah, so I really only watched one. I had to watch three Dracula movies. So aside from yes. watching three Dracula movies this week, um, last weekend I caught up with the 40-year-old version um, mm. from last year, Netflix. I think I liked it a little bit more than Nick did. Um, yeah. You know, it's not a perfect movie, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, nice. I, I, I do recommend it. It's it's a, a small little movie. It has, it has some really fun moments. Um, it has issues too, but I... I liked it. I feel like every single Netflix movie that that I've ever seen doesn't look good, except Roma. Yeah, like, I, I don't know and what Roma's it is. Like All the their movies movie have this world. like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, hey, I just, the I can't Irishman looks it. pretty good. Oh, I forgot that that counts as. A I know. Episode. I know. That's why but, I yes. called it. Sounds a weird CGI. To your credit, but yes. Uh, well, sure. I. I I've yeah. stand up for all of it. No, so I will say about the forty-year-old version is it's it's in black and white. Um, it is so muddy. It's it's really like I can't. I'm not quite sure what they were going for with that black and white cinematography. There's a plenty of scenes where it's like legitimately mm-hmm. hard to see what's happening. Um, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like a lot of times, it looks like blown yeah. out. Like the every all the whites are like blindingly mm-hmm. white in a way that makes it hard to look at the screen. But and there was some other Netflix movie that I watched recently where. Um, I had a similar vibe, but like, I mean, the five bloods looks good. It does. So yeah. it's not, it's not all, it's not all of them, but maybe the non recently about how if a movie's being made for Netflix, like Netflix gives like a technical spec notes to like tell them hmm. to, that they should shoot the film a certain way so that it'll be like watchable on hmm. phones. Basically, they're obviously not giving those notes to Spike Lee or Martin Scorsese, but it, you know, if you're <laughs> right. anybody else, you might be getting notes that are like, oh, well, if you shoot it like this, that's better for someone who's watching it on their iPhone. So what you going to do? Sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Is that we, we is that all your movies, Jenna? Oh, I just that's have to quickly mention that I did I did watch uh, Knives Out last night. R.I.P. Plumber. Go to all time. R.I.P. Plumber. Yeah. Yeah, we are. That's the reason I started. I had to start Dracula 92 at like 11 at night. Because I was like, Watch Knives Out. I should. I'm watching Knives Out. I should watch Knives Out. Yeah. R.I.P. Christopher Plummer. Yeah. All right. Are we done for actual this time? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, then I will thank everybody so much for joining us this week. And I hope you all come back next week when we're going to be discussing the Stanley Kubrick classic, Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove is currently streaming on Prime Video, the Criterion channel, and apparently the TCM app. So if you have any of those, you can check it out. And of course, it's also available to rent or buy at all the usual places online. Until then, you can follow us on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Great Movies Pod. We want to thank, as always, our friend Scott Brady for our podcast artwork. You can follow him on Twitter at SBradyArtist. And that is it for our episode this week. Roger out. Roger out. <laughs> my my internet connection is now unstable. Oh. It's made. I just need you to say Roger. Just say Roger out. Out. I just need you to say Roger oh. out. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I will stop recording. All right. Okay. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else, and that makes me a better person, that to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. Got it. Um, but the uh, Anthony Hopkins in his, uh, his strong choices in Dracula.
Okay, you, you keep frozen? buffering you right when entirely? you say the name. <laughs> Mostly. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was on Zoom all week for work. Just all week long, giving multi-hour long presentations without any problem. Just, it knows when we're recording. Um, hold on a second. <laughs> all right. Can you hear me okay? Oh, no. Frozen again? Yeah, I, I lost you for a second. <laughs> it's going to kill me. <sighs> um, okay. I have no idea. You're going to have to just edit the crap out of that because I have no idea uh, where on earth I disappeared. Anyway, I wanted to talk about the shots of the, the ship, the boat. Um, <laughs> uh, editing this is going to be a nightmare, Dylan. God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be so bad. I think... I think... <laughs> She totally out. I haven't seen her screen budge in a while. I just hear her maniacally laughing like Dracula yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can there she is. The there we go. Losing my mind. Can you hear me? Because <laughs> I could hear you guys, and I was just like, oh, no. I'm yeah. just like held hostage. I could hear Dylan going, uh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. Okay. Am I here? Am I present? All right, Dylan, I, you're in charge again. I, I mean, oh. To be honest, I, I still haven't read the Ebert essay the whole way through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is okay for me. I'm just going to finish. It's not a great essay. It's a terrible essay. I do have part like, of a sandwich here still I haven't eaten, so that works out. Yeah, nice. What sandwich are you eating? It's a peanut butter and jelly. Classic. Classic. Peanut butter and jelly is the 1931 Dracula of sandwiches. The 1930? No, it's much better than that. It probably is better than that. It's the Nosferatu yeah. of sandwiches. It's the no- that's a better way to put it. That is a better way to put it. Because um, it's classic, but it fucking rules. <laughs> Actually, you know what it is? It's the Frankenstein of sandwiches. Okay, the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, it's like it's straightforward, like no frills. Excellently solid. I don't understand how Frankenstein is so good, and this one's just sort of like, ugh, it's fine. Uh, while we're waiting, I'm going to go get Pelly just sure. in case. Oh no, Dylan disappeared. <laughs> oh, he did the Melies thing. <laughs> I just came back and he was gone. All that's right, all, well... That, that's all that special effect is. You just, like, log out of your Zoom. And when you come back and, and there's you an come empty back screen. And, yeah. Okay, fingers... I missed the good old days when it was your internet that didn't work. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say, this is a nice change of pace, because I... Ugh, this is infuriating. I, I know, every time it would happen to me, I'd be like, I can't do anything, this is horrible. I, I know, it is... Uh, annoying. And, like... I had such a good outline. I have so many notes. And then every time I'm like, here's a great point. And then I'm like, oh, no, I have just entirely lost connection. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, my, uh, my outline's a disaster because it's like multiple different movies and none of them are like, I, I plan on going back and like interleaving them so that it's like, mm-hmm. all right, here's how this scene played out in this movie. Right. Um, but I didn't do that. So it's. Yeah. 
I just have like bullet points of quite a bit things I want to talk about, which is you know, but even that getting through, ah, it's all right. I was able to use my reset time to get more coffee. So yeah, I'm still finishing my lunch. I say we are recording early enough that I'm still drinking my coffee. (laughs) I drink coffee like throughout the day until dinner time, basically. I try to cut myself off at like 11 or noon. Um, Otherwise, I will. I, I have to cut myself off at some point. <laughs> yeah, I also stay up like right. as late as you without the time difference. Right, and I get up and start drinking coffee at like 6.30 in the morning. So by the time I get to, you know, noon, I'm like, I've been drinking coffee for six hours. That's probably enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since, yeah, I do want to go to bed. Although last night, actually stayed up late watching these two Dracula movies. Late, midnight. Going inside. Oh, Pelly's back. Pelly. Hi, Pelly. Hey, Jana. 